Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Raptors in the Kitchen. Uh, you'll notice that rather than the subpar host you've had the past couple of episodes, uh, the true talent of the podcast is back. I am Paco Rodriguez. I'm joined by Neil McCulloch. Hello. And Tommy Ross. The five people in Mongolia would probably disagree with you. Six people. Six, six people. Sorry, Mongolia. Actually, it's only three people because they both yeah. listened two weeks in a row. <laughs> to the <laughs> same <laughs> show. Yeah. Superb. They both listened. Three of them listened. I can't count anymore. I uh, mean, I've got repeat. We've got repeat listeners when you're out here from Mongolia. Hey, what's wrong with that? Tommy and uh, Neil just you know keeping the Mongolia market alive for mm. Raptors in the kitchen. Maybe they need those hot takes. Mm. Well, they're they're in good company uh, with Glasgow and some place in America being the other top cities. Sweet. I forget which American town it was though. Mm-hmm. It was thirty six listens from that one. Thirty six. Yeah. Wow. Fucking hell. It's uh, it's quite a good word in the mouth. Yeah. Said. That's like the lot. Is that the most? Apart from Britain, is that the most we've had? Like in the one place? No, the Netherlands. There was like a hundred in the one week once. Fucking hell. And then there was that other time where, for some reason, 50 different Christian rock stations, uh, radio stations, listened to us. That is awesome. <laughs> Considering how much. We swear and talk talk about how Jesus isn't exist. I, I would like to throw a big rat in the kitchen. Thank you, right there to the Russian bot factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the, that's the hard bit, though, isn't it? Kind of just do we actually have three people in Mongolia that listen two weeks in a row, or is there some kind of weird crap like bot thing on the go? Did you see that uh, that meme I put about? somebody made this bot watch a horror film a bunch of times yeah, and then they turned out a script it's like the priest hates sinks the, <laughs> the, the, what, the, the book what? is a ghost <laughs> it's just all this really random random shit where I was like man I'd happily watch some of these ideas oh, oh, man, just there, seemed, was, like, hey, there was a really amazing line in it but I can't remember mm-hmm. what it was now speaking of say, like Matt Berry's character from the IT crowd when he's watching a horror movie uh, he's his well, own dad well oh, uh, he's he's uh, <laughs> he's just guess, trying to guess the ending because he's the boss He's your boss. Did you watch any of that Year of the Rabbit that he was in? No, um, I'm going to though, because uh, I, well, last, I think I talked about how I'd finished uh, What We Do in the Shadows, yeah. which I very much enjoyed, uh, and I keep seeing the trailer for uh, Year of the Rabbit, so I, I will give it a watch. I watched a couple of episodes and I quite enjoyed it. Is it like it. the Sweeney bit, 1800s? Yeah, 1800s Sweeney. And I'll, I'll watch it. You can imagine how a comedy version of the, the Sweeney in the 1800s would go. Well, see when someone's see when someone was to pitch like, right, we're going to make, it's like the Sweeney bits of the 1800s, you're like, eh, Matt Berry's in it. Right. <laughs> okay. He's interested. This is probably going to be good, man. But did he write it or that? No. Do we know? I can't remember. Okay. <clears throat> was it good? Yeah. Well, stuff I've seen of it has been. Sweet. So, Paco, how was your Jesus retreat? It was a... Spiritual. Did you find the Lord? I I was chased down by him several times. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was good. Like I, let's I, get, I broke, give, give the people context I, here. I, I broke no, my. I don't think he's on a Jesus retreat. My, anybody who has actually listened to this podcast, I think, for even one episode, would know that that is not the case. What about new listeners? We're taking new listeners in the in the deep south and mm-hmm. kind of the the Bible Belt. Come on. How do we get a penetration in these markets? I think we're doing yeah, it well. Let them believe that at least one of us believes in God. Make Raptors great again. <laughs> oh, God, Tommy. Take Tommy. Come on, man. Low-hanging fruit, man. Mm. Right, carry on. What, are you the Disney Corporation? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind that money. That's right. Right, go for it. 
Well, so you went to the Caminos and weren't kidnapped. The Caminos? Yeah. What's that? I'd say it's a, it's a oh, fun oh, car. Oh, it's oh, a so car in the Simpsons. Oh, so it's the Camino de, de Santiago de Compostela. It's not fucking Mexico City. It is the Mexico <laughs> City, man. Defo. It's that car from the Simpsons along with the Canyonero. <laughs> um, right, I saw you on you go. You were in the middle of the story. <laughs> I already forgot. Mm. Yeah, I broke my uh, several decades long not funding religious charities uh, rule mm. when I got blindsided. Well, I was, uh, Were you blindsided? Yeah, because like, I've obviously not thought about this stuff in a long time. So like, I was attending mass on the, the first day because it was like a huge kind of deal uh, monastery. So like, there was like a few people that were kind of going to it to kind of just peek their head in and stuff. So we stayed there for a, a while and then uh, they came around with the donation things and I was like, oh man... There you I, get, forgot, you. I forgot yeah. that this is how this racket works. You didn't um, need to put an in, did you? It was like one of those plates you just kind of pass amongst each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I did. I put in a couple oh, of euro. Because uh, we were staying at the monastery that night. Mm. So it was kind of like... Okay, you were paying for your boardings. Well, no, because like, I mean, we paid that separate kind of thing. Oh, right, okay. But, you know... So you were tipping, they also, tipping the waiter. They also woke us up at six in the morning with some, like... What's the term for it? Is it Gregorian chants? Is that the Jesus radio? Yeah. So it was like six in the, six in the morning. Like Jesus all the radio. all the all the lights came on. All you had was oh, it's like what the fuck is going on, man? Oh this is God. like is this where we get our livers harvested? Um, yeah, it was it was good. I got called. Sorry, I got told that I should be a Catholic off of somebody, mm-hmm. and I took it as a compliment. And um, what? I... <laughs> Okay. Okay. What what right. um what activities did you experience uh, at this place? What in this the walking holiday that I was on? Well, the, more specifically, <laughs> when you were with the uh, the Jesus Commune. Oh, Christ! Oh, that was that was later on. You're skipping ahead a, a fair bit. All right. Okay. I did ask you how it went. And you went. That was all right. I got more out of Danny. So uh, did you I, make any new friends on your adventure? You know I did, Neil. But they never replaced you. You don't need to worry. You don't need to feel threatened. <laughs> So tell Neil about uh, this fun place. You Listen, can we start down. over? This all feels awkward and forced. Why? I want to know things that happened. Do you know? Yeah, I'm interested. to my friend. You obviously you don't care, and no. you've heard it before. It's funny. If it's, it's really, a funny story, I want to hear. Really funny. If it's not funny, don't worry. I'll let you know. Right. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, so like for the most part, it was like you know just a really good experience. Mm. Uh, actually, even the story I'm about to tell was also a good experience. It was just different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Cafe <clears throat> there is a there are even sorry like loads of places on the Camino. Like most of the time, you're playing staying at places just called albergues, mm-hmm. which are, you know idea what that actually translates as. I don't know the literal translation, but it's kind of like a wee small. I think it's what in the south they call a pension, which is like yeah, a, a flop house kind of thing. You, you get them on this as well. Oh, they, like, the, the pensions are a like slightly more expensive albergues, right. like because you get more privacy in those. They're, oh, is it like a youth hostel? They're they're like hostels. Yeah, right. uh, well, they can range from anywhere from like ten beds to like right, several it's, hundred it's beds. It's like a hostel, anyway. yeah. Right. But like the this specifically, they're for people on the Camino. Like you mm-hmm. can't state them unless you've got a pilgrim's passport. Uh, and even then, like they're all mega cheap. It's like basically just to kind of make it so that you're not 
only doing this if you're crazy rich. So like yeah. they they range from like some of them are as cheap as like five euros. Other ones are like the standard for the start of the walk at least was like maybe ten or eleven mm. euros uh, per night, and you get like a bed basically is the only thing you're kind of guaranteed. Mm. Uh, but like the better ones have got like lockers and uh, charging ports for your mm. your phones and stuff like that, like right next to your bed and stuff like that. Like uh, some of the showers were very prison esque. Uh, where there was no door or curtain between you and the next person showering. Uh, those yeah, were kinda, this is going. Those were awkward, <laughs> awkward things uh, to to kind of be subjected to, I guess. But like you know, after having walked for like several hours in Spanish kind of temperatures during like what was their biggest heat wave, I think, uh, all time mm-hmm. up until the week after I came back, where all those records got broken, I think. Um, yeah, kind of just going for a shower, like regardless of what the the privacy was there. Um, but yeah, like the, there's like other albergues where there is no set price for them. They're just a mm-hmm. uh, donations donativos. They're called. <clears throat> and like those ones are quite often set up by religious people. Like a uh, they're either like attached attached to churches or run by like missionaries from all over the world. So. We, me and Danny, me and my mate Danny, who joined us on the second week for this, like we had walked, I think, 47 kilometres one day, and then the next day we'd walked to like 37. So we'd done like a lot in the two days, and by the time we got to this uh, this Donatillo, we were both pretty knackered. So like we went in, like we asked if they had beds, they said yeah, like then they said we had to sign paperwork, this is the first time this had ever happened in any of the, the albergues. So like we got sat down and uh, the the woman who kind of introduced herself to us as Rosie, uh, made a point of making sure that we actually read all the material that she gave us, which included things like we're not allowed to push the beds together, and a uh, no noise after eleven and all that sort of stuff. But like, so much of it was like really concerned about a. Uh, nudity and mm. sex and just like it was like one of the most repressive things that you could ever imagine but they've got showers where like you just wander about no no that one out. that one you were you were only allowed to get changed in the shower you weren't even allowed to get changed in the room attached to the, sh- the kind of shower area. so there was no changing room it was no, just like you had to get hell. changed in the shower because like if you were naked at any point in front of somebody else like that was like seen as like a huge taboo in this so, place Catholicism <laughs> I, I mean like but the the monastery was like way more lax with that stuff though yeah, probably so it was just it was just odd this, this one was like it turned out there was a uh, seven missionaries from Texas uh, that were over uh, to this part of Spain. It was called Lagonde, I think, yeah. was the name of the area, uh, for like the month or something. And a uh, like a woman from Germany and a couple of people who seemed to actually just kind of permanently be at that place. Like it was run by like some uh, Brazilian dude, uh, who was the spitting image of Gus from Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, like he was just he even had the same kind of really unnerving demeanor as him. Like he just spoken like a really kind of calm and a monotone kind of manner where it was just there was something just really unsettling about him like a psychopath like he also didn't show up until just after dinner had been served uh, so we, we didn't know he was even there until after that point but yeah like uh, it was all it was all quite intense they were all like 
the the way that Christians are like a kind of Jesus camp effort thing where usually it's like a comedy where they're getting the piss taken out of them. They were all acting like that. Uh, at one point, Danny had kind of went up to the beds to just kind of rest for a bit, like after we got there. And uh, I went outside because like there was one of them kind of playing a guitar and there was other ones kind of moving around and stuff. And I was kind of just wanting to, to talk to, to people. And uh, the one, Jim, that was playing the guitar was like quite a cranky guy like he you know he was there as a, a missionary from texas but like he seemed like he just didn't like anything about any of it like he just didn't want to do anything so like they they kind of forced him to take our bags upstairs for his which like he did complaining the entire time <laughs> uh, so he was just kind of sitting there playing his guitar like playing jesus songs like a uh, the song I, I looked up later on because I can't remember the lyrics and <laughs> I wanted to know what it was. It was called Reckless Love for anybody. Is uh, that because when you hear it playing in the background at some point in your life, you know your life is probably going to end? <laughs> quite possibly. <laughs> it was actually quite a catchy tune, which was the thing that I think made it stick in my head. Uh, also, it became a point of just hours of humour the day after, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, like he, he was kind of sitting singing away and like there was a, a kind of older uh, Texan woman called Pam that was there. And at first I thought that they were married because they seemed like really familiar with each other because like he was quite scathing towards her a few times. So he was like mid-song. He was mid-song and then he just stopped and went, I don't hear any singing, Pam. And she was like, I was singing, I was singing. Like what you did, I was singing. And he was like, you know, sing louder kind of thing. And then uh, she, they started kind of playing the guitar and stuff again and like they were singing and stuff and then like, other missionaries had came out and like they naturally formed like a a little kind of two-tiered group of the shorter ones at the front with the tall ones at the back and like the German girl that was there was like wildly clapping her hands and like just swaying from side to side and like looked ecstatic at the concept that she was singing about Jesus. Um, It's terrifying. I would would be terrified if I was there. It was... It was something else. It was intense. Yeah. It was amazingly intense. Yeah. But like at that point, because like they had all kind of bunched up in such a kind of really like I, I don't know, like a, a photo op kind yeah. of it. I was like, can I guys can I take a picture of you guys? And they're like, oh yeah, sure. So like I took a photo of them, which yeah, I'll put as the thumbnail for this episode. Actually, I they were all like nice, but they were. They were intense. They were amazingly intense. It's the kind of thing that makes you think what elder god you're about to be sacrificed to. But yeah, it was like so. Yeah, when all that all that stuff had happened, and they they all kind of disappeared for a bit into the kitchen because like they were preparing the dinner for that night. So like they just left everyone with their own devices. Like at this point, it, there was an itinerary for the day as well to kind of try and ensure that people weren't getting bored. Yeah. Uh, and one of those things was a movie, and a I, I naively thought it was like a movie, an actual movie, but it was obviously a, a movie about Jesus. I, I'm, just, uh, I'm just pitched in my head that episode of The Simpsons with the leader mm-hmm. and he takes him to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, from from the moment we arrived it was like really, really just in your face intense and like just nothing like anything they'd ever experienced before. And like me and Danny were kind of sitting at the dinner table uh, just as the, the kind of the food was about to come out and like Danny, like looking absolutely normal just kind of obviously not trying to attract attention kind of half looked at me and went I'm freaking out man <laughs> <laughs> I 
and I was like, I can completely, I can completely understand. Like he just, you know, just the way he did it. He's like, this is like, this is a bit much. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's full on. And then like they, they kind of carted out the the dinner and stuff. Like they'd made us like a kind of big mixed salad with a you know tuna and stuff in it and tofu in it. Which was like I really well the tofu was unique for Spain like I'd never seen that anywhere else but like mix the most vegans are on the road mix salad a uh, is like or ensalada mixta a uh, as I've now known it to be called is like one of the things it's just everywhere yeah. in Spain and then or especially in the pilgrim menu things where it's like the kind of the cheaper stuff for people doing the Camino. Nah, it's um, a thing that you'll get everywhere. So like, I, I was expecting after the events that everything that had happened that we were going to end up having to hold hands and like say a prayer and stuff that didn't happen which I'm still kind of amazed at like Same. they just they just went straight into it just eating the food there was no yeah, like, there was no prayer there was none of that all, thank us for the dinner and all that I, they, they did pray at one point but I think it was after the meal and even then it wasn't like they didn't they didn't suggest that we should pray uh, they just it's like they just did it yeah um but then, like, they cleared the dinner away and stuff like that. They were all, like, you know, really, really kind of friendly and really kind of helpful with that stuff and, you know, kind of very interested in the, the people. There was eight beds in the place for pilgrims, which is what what they get called doing the Camino. Uh, so, like, it was myself, Danny, uh, an American who was actually an a uh, practicing Catholic. She was only something like 18 or 19 years old. There was an Italian man called Fabian, uh, who was like one of the most, I don't even know what the word would be for it, man. He was just like really direct and forward. He had no pretense that he, you know, was going to be polite for the sake of being polite. So it was like somebody had like a, the, the kind of fried green peppers that are also like a delicacy in Spain kind of thing. Yeah. And he like looked at them and just went... Are you, if you're not going to eat them, like, I'm taking them. <laughs> <laughs> and he just took them. Uh, I, I can see how you would kind of gravitate towards this gentleman. No, I didn't really <laughs> speak... He didn't really speak that kind of good English. Like, yeah. he, he spoke some, but, like, he... Obviously, like, he's Italian. Like, he speaks Italian. And he'd also learned plenty of Spanish. So, like, yeah, the fact that he's, like, his English was as good as it was, is, you know, obviously not going to criticise that. Okay. Um, but, yeah, like, him, there was, like, a... A French couple and like another Spanish guy, so like we were all kind of sitting down. <clears throat> now, like after dinner had finished and all the stuff had cleared away, this guy who looked like Gus from Breaking Bad sits down at the head of the table, threw his car keys in the bowl, and like he <laughs> he kind of started speaking in Spanish, obviously, like really rapid Spanish. Like, not... do you do you know what the name of the actor is? Uh, that is Gus from Breaking Bad? What Giancarlo Esposito? Right, is he Brazilian as well? I don't know. Like Danny had mentioned, that, like Gus from Breaking Bad is Brazilian. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, he may well be. I don't know, man. Yeah. But I mean, this guy was the fucking spitting image of him, though. Mm. Like even just the the way he sat, as I was saying before, he mm. he starts speaking Spanish, and then like a the Spanish woman beside him then translated it to English, and like my my Spanish isn't great, but like, I could tell that he was talking a lot about money. Yeah, so again, like just one of those, after the way things went with the previous time I was in the mass and stuff, I was like, this is the part where I just end up getting asked for mm-hmm. money. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, like he was saying stuff about how like 
his son has expensive tastes and things like this. <laughs> okay. I and it's just yeah, I was like just I was just waiting for it. But like it turned out that the model of his little kind of thing was about how even though he doesn't have much money, he still feels rich because he has Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, <clears throat> fucking hell. And then like he had like during this entire conversation he had like a big stack of like cards this in his is hand. amazing here it comes well like trading cards no 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 no, 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 like, no, no, no. wait to hear this like uh, like kind of like tarot card-esque things but right, with okay. actual pictures on them oh. well tarot cards have pictures on but them like, but they, but no yeah. like they've got drawings on them but this right. had like actual photographs on right, them okay, well okay. and the, the way he kind of said it like again like my Spanish isn't great but I thought that he was claiming that these were actual pictures of actual Jesus <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, I don't think that's what he was claiming yeah, though right okay. but like so like he kind of starts handing these cards out and like myself and Danny were like at the last two in the table kind of thing like they were kind of going around the other way so I could see like people were getting past like a picture card and then just moving on to the person beside them and nobody was really reacting to stuff yeah. and like I got the first card and it was just like a picture of Jesus doing Jesus. I sorry, a, a picture of an actor playing Jesus, like an actual proper mm-hmm. photograph of an actor dressed as Jesus, doing just like Jesusy stuff. So he was like kind of standing with like his arms out as if he's preaching. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And it will see some like the cap. There was a caption at the bottom that said like scholar, and then like an R card would come around and it'd be like Jesus, you know, with a lamb, and it's just like. Dinner. Mentor or whatever. <laughs> and then, like, another one comes around and it was like, <laughs> this guy dressed as Jesus with like two kids on his lap. Oh. And, the ca- oh. and the caption on it was Ragamuffin. <laughs> <laughs> and like, as soon as I saw it, like, I was just like, I just tensed up and like, I was like trying so hard not to fucking laugh. And I passed it to Danny and then I could just see Danny like just tense up as soon as he saw what was on the card as well. And they're like, these, these cards are coming over and they're getting more and more ridiculous because like it moves from just like Jesus and Jesus situations to like one of the ones that came around was like a photograph of like a man standing in front of like a full length mirror, but his reflection was Jesus. Like, I don't remember what the caption was for it. But then, like, the next one that came along was, like, Jesus standing next to an Audi. (laughs) And, like, at this point, like, I was just trying so hard not to just break down laughing. Why the fuck's he Why an Audi? Danny was just sitting next to me, and I could see him, him, like, kind of, just, like, kind of, just kind of trembling a wee bit. And then, like, the next one came around and it was, like, Jesus standing at the side of a lake and there was a guy kayaking in the lake but lightning had hit the water. Oh, <laughs> It's just, like... They were just getting Hold increasingly on. more ridiculous. So, see the picture of Jesus, like, and the guy in the kayak? That was the actor playing Jesus in that, right? Yeah, yeah. So did someone, what, pen in the lightning? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what the deal is with that. I don't know what it is. I, I have so many questions that will go unanswered. It's amazing, isn't it? Like, when he told me that, I was like, I mean, not only is, why is Jesus standing next to a car, number one? That's fucking mental. That's ridiculous. What does that mean? Why an Audi? Yeah. It's like, an Audi, like, it's not like the creme de la creme. It's like, it's not a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. Audi's a decent motor. I remember discussing this with Craig after you talked to him, but he's, he's like, it's the, the, it's the car of a carpenter, Tommy. He said, <laughs> <laughs> Craig, 
was like, well, maybe it's like that is seen as the, like the working man's car or something like that. I was nah, like, oh. He's a different biker. Well, I was, I mean, you always get that thing. It's like Audis and BMWs are t- tend to be like driven by, let's say, unsavory characters. Well, <laughs> it was like, just well, like straight up criminals. Well, I mean. I'm just saying, why is Jesus standing next to an Audi? I mean, I think, like, the fact that you latch onto the fact that it's an Audi it seems like, to be, like, okay. the least significant part of the whole because thing. Because the car is ridiculous enough. Why the fuck's he next to a car? But it's just that, that my brain goes what? to, why an Audi? What Not fu- a Ferrari or a fucking Lamborghini. Because Jesus came from poor roots and he doesn't want to look like he's, like, no fucking Jesus for the block so anymore. So it's like, it's like so Jesus... So he's, he's making some cash. Is that bought it for him? Aye. Aye. But also, ragamuffin. Ragamuffin. What the fuck? Oh, man, that, that's where the box stops. That was, that was great. <laughs> like, honestly, kind of wish that. Two kids in his lap, ragamuffin. What is that going to be? I what honestly wish I had actually taken that card. Like, uh, I wish that I now owned that card. I wish but you did. What as well. is it? I want the one with next to an Audi. Uh, I know people that own Audis and I can give them that. That would be great. Oh, and I want to know the end game of these cards. It well, gets, it gets oh. better, Neil. Oh, we're not done, man. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so like, I mean, those those are the ones where like, essentially, the end game of those cards were like, again, I'm not sure if he was trying to claim that that was actually Jesus, right. okay? Because my Spanish wasn't really that good, and like, I was and kind of surely mid, the fuck breakdown. not. I don't think he was trying to say. It. I'm not entirely sure. I was too busy kind of trying to make out what he was saying that I wasn't really listening well, to I'm the translation. These cards were used for metaphors. Probably, but like the the end game of that particular set of cards yeah. uh, was like he that was the one point where he then tried to get us all to accept Jesus into our lives. I might be telling this out of sequence. Actually, there was another set of cards, and I'm not sure if they were given out before or after. I think they were given out before. So, like, I think I've jumped the gun a bit. Like, this was like. This was the second wave of cards right, okay. because, like, it, that did segue into him trying to get us to accept Jesus in early years. Aye, did you not like say the this first, one? Were, yeah. The first set of cards Aye. were just, like, loads of different random images and they just dumped them in the middle of the dinner table and, like, mixed them all up. And then, and it, like, a really unnerving just... It puts the lotion in the basket moment. What, 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 yeah, like, what the, does that mean the, to you? The, 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 the guy was just, like, you're going to answer three questions... The first question, oh man, now now I'm kind of blanking on them. Like, like basically, they were they were just things like, uh, how does that make you feel? After two weeks in the Camino, like a uh, people see it as like a really spiritual, a uh, a spiritual experience, and like how has the Camino changed you? Mm. And it's like the first question was something like, what did you expect from the Camino before you came on it? And he says you can pick up to three uh, pictures that represent your thoughts and, and then talk about them. So, like, there's like pictures of mountains, pictures of flowers, pictures of like people holding hands on the beach, pictures of a door with a crucifix on it, pictures of a rope, pictures of chains, like just like loads of different, loads of different images, right? <clears throat> so, like, he asked that question, and we all had to take photographs that you know that's one of the thing that like we had to then make something up and, yeah. and talk about a reaction with it. I'm not going to lie, Tommy, this is far more horrifying than anything that I saw in Midsummer. 
Oh man, take that. That's all. Right, so, <laughs> so yeah, like no, uh, it's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like but well, I all... when he told me, like, well, again, Danny told me because Danny's like the pack will tell you about that commune we were at, and I'm like, I fucking can't believe you went to that man. Honestly, not that. I mean, did you at any point think your life was in danger? Like, my belongings might not be returned to me? No. Well, I mean, like, when no other place had ever taken our bags and, like, See, moved Danny away. was like that to me. He's like, I mean, they insisted on it. Yeah, and I'm like, like, I'd rather not. Yeah, That's my Yeah, exactly. Shit. Like, yeah. both of us were kind of like, do I'm you know what, country. man? We're all right. Like, we'll take them ourselves. And they were like, no, Jim will take them. The guy that was playing the guitar. Mm. Uh, and like he didn't even as I said before when like Jim really didn't seem happy about that because like, yeah. it was up a flight of stairs so it was like you know but in the end he signed a contract and that's yeah, part of his job I'd be making sure where my passport was at all times fuck yeah going to that place um, yeah but like so these photographs and stuff like they came out and like but yeah I, I, to yeah. be fair them they did say that it was an optional activity was the way they kind of put it out there so like not everybody who was staying in the place actually did this myself Danny the practicing young Catholic girl that was there and Fabian took part in it uh, nobody else did like the Spanish guy and the French couple oh, okay. didn't bother did F- Big Fabs <coughs> not have something else to say he, apart from the green pepper thing uh, maybe what, what are you thinking I, don't, of I thought Danny maybe said he, he said something like when the cards came out or I, something. like his answer was pretty funny for one of them right uh, so like yeah just you know I, I was already kind of, I was sitting at the table and stuff like I was already committed to, to doing this you were thing. in it for the experience yeah so exactly that's why, that's why exactly uh, to get I mean like I'm sure I spoke on the podcast before we left but like I, I know that this was a pilgrimage before I went there and like completely made peace with that fact like I wasn't going to go there and be argumentative like like I normally would be when it comes to religion I uh, yeah, like I was on their turf and that was fine. And especially with this place, because like it was a donativo. It, was, it wasn't like a, you need to pay us money to be here. It was like, you can donate however much money you want. And the donation box was like actually something that was like left separate in the place. So it's like, it wasn't like they were watching you put it yeah. in. They, they also actually encouraged you to put the money in as you were leaving the next day rather mm-hmm. than kind of then and there, which for myself and Danny... Like, we left at, like, five in the morning because, like, we were in the habit of, like, leaving really early to get done earlier in the day. Did you leave a review <clears> on <throat> TripAdvisor that just simply said ragamuffins? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I did not. <clears throat> i got to stress again, man, is, like, as intense and full-on as this all was and as weird as they were to me, they were all really gracious hosts. They were all... Ah, you were saying, like, yeah, uh, take, take away the kind of the religious activity of it. They were really nice people. Yeah. Like, See, like you said, serial killers are always said to be like quiet guys. No nah, man, like Dan, Danny said the same thing. He's like, no nah, man. I mean, like they were mega in the religious aspect of it, but they were nice and, like you said, gracious hosts, really kind of welcoming and things like that. Regardless of the fact that we weren't really into it and whatever, so yeah, there's that. But the the activity, like, but I mean, you, you can't if you're not into it like that, you can't help but kind of snigger at these things because it's it's not the norm for us. Whereas for them. Looking at pictures with Jesus as your reflection is a really, I don't know, a metaphorical thing that they can take on board. Right. Whereas to like you, to us, to you, 
Danny and MDL and MDL else that's maybe not into that would look at that and be like, "This is really weird and also hysterical." Yeah, <laughs> like knowing that Danny was not coping amazingly well with it as well was like adding to the just the. For me, the whole thing was just so surreal. Like it, by the time like those picture cards and stuff came out, though, like it, I wasn't in danger of laughing out loud. It was just more like, "Let's just get this fucking done so I can go to bed." Uh, but like because of how small the place was as well, like me and Danny never had a chance to talk about any of it the entire night. Like mm. we were there for, like we, I think we got there at about I want to say maybe three o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. And like we were there the, the whole time and never had a chance to speak about anything that was going on because of how small the entire place was. Just kind of picture what that would be yeah. like as well. Uh, he says like, yeah, Danny no, was saying, not being able to process it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Danny was, was it you? Like he's like, mate. After it, holy shit, we talked about it for hours, we, like, hours the, and hours. We talked about the, the first maybe three hours after we left the place, we were just laughing <laughs> constantly yeah. and like quoting the I don't hear any singing palm and stuff like that and then like just thinking about the ragamuffin card and we had a good laugh about the kayak with the lightning and stuff man like just entertained us for the entire next day at least but like it was something that we kept just singing the lyrics to the songs and stuff to each other after (laughs) it as well like you know it was like a week later like uh, there'd be like a little kind of lull in the conversation and one of us go I don't deserve it (laughs) so the two of us would just start laughing but yeah, so like the the, the cards come out and I, I was just like made up generic shit. So it was like I picked up like the picture of the mountains, the picture of flowers and the picture of a couple of people. And I was like, mm. I've never been much of a spiritual or religious person. I, and like the Camino hasn't really changed that, but I do feel like more of a respect for nature now. Right. And they were all like, oh, cool, cool. And then kind of moved on and stuff like that. And like this, at this point, like a the older guy that had the guitar and stuff, Jim was like behind me to my right, like really close to me. And there was a different guy who I forgot his name that was on my left. I, uh, but like he was getting quite touchy feely, like and like kind of you know like hand on the shoulder way. And like Danny as well said it was like there was though with Danny one, Danny's one it was a misunderstanding. There was like a guy who didn't speak English at all that was in the place, but he was cleaning up the plates and stuff off the table for dinner. Uh, but Danny was talking to Rosa or Rosie uh, and like he just felt a hand on his shoulder and like it just stayed there <laughs> and uh, he was like sitting talking to her for like a minute or two mm. and like the hand just and then all of a sudden just the hand kind just, of creeped up like that the hand just didn't move mm. and like eventually he turned around and realised it was the guy who didn't speak English and uh, was wanting his plate his oh. plate off the table <laughs> Few. But yeah, like this this other guy was like touching me in the shoulder quite a lot. He was getting quite kind of hands on. And there was no and, like, plate. And, no, this is really during the card stuff. During it. And like shit. Jim was on the other side of us. And then like another one came out and it was something about like, has the Camino changed your like worldview or something like that? And I, I like was at this point like one of the kind of images was, was of like chains or a rope or something. And I'd, I'd picked that one up. And I, I was like, I was like t- tied to my job, and they all started laughing, kind of thing. I, oh, they started laughing. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because right, okay. it was like you know because of the picture I'd picked up and stuff like that. Um, that was the funny bit. But <laughs> I, there was also one like the last question was something to do with like is it kind of giving you like more of an appreciation for life or something like that or something along those lines. 
and like I, I'd said that uh, it's definitely made me realise that we should be spending more time like kind of living for the, the kind of current moment and stuff and not making too many plans for the future because like when you're doing a Camino like you're only ever concerned about where you're sleeping where you're gonna get your next kind of meal from and stuff and it's like everything is like so immediate like you don't have time to to think about all the other stuff in your life it's like it's way more immediate and like it's kind of more rewarding for that and at that point Jim put his hand on my shoulder and went there's some good stuff (laughs) (laughs) try to imagine you copied that you know what I'm like I'm not I'm not a serious person at all man like I want to laugh at everything all the time Mm. it was taking all my restraint not to just fucking burst out laughing man Okay. I'd be honest, I would have been terrified mm. that I've watched far too many cult movies mm. and that was strangers f- getting dinner in strange houses. It, mm. it was certainly one of the highlights of the entire three weeks I was out there, though. It's like so much of the rest of the, the holiday will probably be stuff that like I'll never really think about mm. again. Uh, other than like the the first, I should say as well, like the first week before Danny showed up, and this sounds like a, a dig to Danny, and it completely is not that at all. But the first week before he was there was the best week out of the the three of them. I'm fucking telling because, Danny uh, said that. Man. Hey, Danny just fucking knows it. It was because like I was doing because oh, I, I knew fine well that I had to go meet Danny uh, in a week's time. Mm. Like there was no point in like doing huge distances each day so I was going by the official stages which was only like 20 kilometres a day or something and because I was on my own I was much more inclined to just speak to people that mm-hmm. I didn't know yeah. uh, and also because I was doing official stages I was seeing the same people day after day so like it meant that like on the first and second day like I made some pretty good friendships with people who were really kind of similar to me I mean like Lying in the when I first got to Saint Jean Pierre de Port after leaving Paris, which I've not even spoken about Paris actually, which was also something you'll probably get a kick out of. You, uh, but yeah, like I, I got there, like I hadn't really slept in two days, so I was just in the albergue, uh, just trying to get some rest, and then like I heard somebody going, "Oh, I live in Scotland," and I just started laughing. I was like, "What are the chances?" Like, you know, I've just travelled the the kind of country. Like I uh, travel different countries and stuff, and now I'm in the, the same body room as somebody from back home. And uh, she was introducing her, her name was Fiona. She was introducing herself to an Italian guy called Teo, Matteo, uh, which apparently I can never say his name right. Like, s- seemingly, like the EO at the end of his name is like something that I have difficulty actually pronouncing properly. And um, we just called him Teo for the majority of it. <clears throat> but yeah, like, they introduced each other. Like, I had a bit of a conversation with them, but they were gone the next morning when I woke up. Uh, so, like, I'd set out and on the first hill after leaving the town, like, I met a Danish guy called Eric, and we walked together for, like, that entire day. And then towards the end of that day, like, I lost Eric, Eric when I was kind of wading through a stream to kind of cool my feet off. And, like, I told him I would catch up. <clears throat> but then I saw them again. So, like, I'd kind of formed this group of three or four folk, and, like, there was a German girl called Lisa that I met while I was in the stream who, like, came for a drink with us, and, like, I bought everybody around the beers and stuff, and that seemed to, like, really like solidify the group at the start because like somebody had already kind of made the effort to to kind of sit us all down and buy yeah, a drink. Yeah, included a group. Yeah. <clears throat> so like we all ended up kind of bunking next to each other in the, the monastery. We stayed together like the entire next day. Like I, it was myself, Fiona and Teo. Like we just kind of walked together the entire time and like got to know each other pretty well. Because like the one of the things about the Camino is that like one day 
feels like five days just because of the way it's all broke up. You've got like a good hour, two hours of just yeah. everybody getting ready in the morning and stuff and that kind of feels like really distinct from like the part where you're actually doing the hiking and then you finish the hiking like really early or I did each day, <clears throat> which means you've got most of a day in like a new place. But like they're all really small towns for the most part, other than like there's a few major cities scattered through. But for the first week, it's all small town, small town, small town. So like everybody that you've seen on the trail during the day all end up kind of eating at the same places and stuff mm. at night. And uh, by the end of the week, there was a good group of like maybe twelve or thirteen of us that were all like the Last Supper. <laughs> they were all kind of on really familiar terms and stuff. There was a like three Americans uh, from Nebraska who were doing it as an actual pilgrimage. Like, the the daughter had a John 3.30 tattooed on her arm. A, like, they were, like, mega, mega religious, but they were, like, actually really cool. It was also kind of weird, though, because, like, they were a cookie-cutter replica of Sarah and her mum and dad. A, for people listening to the podcast, that is my ex-girlfriend and her parents. Uh, like I got on amazingly well with her parents, like better than I did with her actually, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, so like I was kind of freaked out like for a, the, the first couple of days that they were there, just because I couldn't stop thinking of mm. Sarah and her parents the entire time. Mm. Um, but like to be fair, uh, the the daughter was actually like way more interesting than Sarah ever was. Like a dig. But yeah, like the, the the parents were were both really nice people as well and stuff, and like it was interesting. It became evident the second day in that they had voted for Trump. I was about to say that, but you're <clears> oh, like, because they're, they're nice, but what were the yeah, thoughts like, on border they, control? They were like a obviously Republicans, but like again, they weren't like your stereotypical. We would imagine a Republican to be like just like really backwards and stupid. A uh, that, 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 let's, let's be honest here, Tom. That, that is what people think of Republicans <clears throat> in this country. No, that's one side of the Republican coin. The other side is your kind of uh, upper, kind of upper middle classes. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Um. So like, we we got into like myself, like Fiona wasn't involved in this, but myself and Teo, like uh, Teo was raised Catholic, but is now an atheist. I mm-hmm. uh, I didn't actually know this until that point because like I'd made a a kind of vote on myself that I wasn't going to bring religion up during this entire thing. Um, as you kind of rightly said, Neil, I, I wasn't out to offend anybody, but like they brought the conversation up in weird ways, where it was like the the conversation moved to socialism, and I'm not sure how, but like as soon as the word socialist got mentioned, I saw that like the dad kind of just had that reaction of that's bad, like yeah. it's a bad thing, but like myself and Teo. <laughs> weren't doing anything like accusatory we were like just trying to be as inoffensive as possible and just kind of talking to him about it but like Teo managed to sneak in the notion that Jesus is the biggest communist (laughs) 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 like he actually said that line and I was just I was just kind of sitting like oh my god they're gonna fucking explode kind of thing like a but they they took it pretty well like they actually kind of seemed to take it on board what he was saying and stuff because like we could at that point we kind of clarified that like but completely disagreed with what you said they took it on board but no they, they didn't well, like they didn't, Jesus Christ is the greatest living American that's ever lived so it's all of but it. he yeah. is also a huge socialist like yeah, everything yeah. that he preaches is like socialism uh, so like we, we kind of tried to explain that like outside of America 
the thing that the word socialism and communism have both been really demonified. Demonified. What's the word I'm looking for? Vilified. Vilified. <clears throat> uh, and like you know, explain to them that like usually when people our age uh, talk about socialism, we really just mean like looking after each other. We yeah. don't mean like John took it literally as a uh, communism is like getting taxed a ridiculous amount and then the state deciding where that money goes kind of thing as opposed to like you know i think that conversation actually started because i i hadn't thought this through properly we got into a heated discussion about something else and i went we probably shouldn't have spoke about politics i think it was like i think it was like vaguely to do with trump or something like that and i went let's talk about something we could all agree on about how capitalism is bad like just not thinking about it like they're conservative Americans they're obviously not going to think capitalism's bad which it is <laughs> like hey but yeah like, I think that's how that that's kind of started down that route it's been a very popular uh, podcast but yeah it was like over the course of the week like I actually grew to really like them and they, they ended up being like people who we met most days and had dinner with and like we were buying each other dinner we were buying each other beers constantly like I I went to mass with them once as well I did Teo, you drink of his blood? To eat of no, his body? Like, no. Uh, Teo uh, is an architect. Like he is currently working on the airport in Amsterdam. Oh, okay. Um, I've been there. <clears throat> so, like, he he had like we, more we, insight into the, the actual architectural kind of you know merits of the the kind of churches and stuff that we were in. So, like, they were all really interested to hear him speak about them and like. The, the stuff he was talking about was really cool, actually. Like, I just never really thought about it before. That, like, when these structures are being built, like, the way we talk about cinematography and movies and stuff, mm. someone has those actual thoughts about mm. the way a church is designed, with the, the cloister, the way the light comes through, like, the pillars oh, and, yeah, yeah. like, highlights. I just, I had never thought of architecture being, like, something that people would actually really? purposefully think of compositions in. Like, whenever I think architecture, I always just thought of the structure as, like, something that exists in a vacuum kind of thing. You yeah. know, it's like just... I don't ever really think about... There's that, not something that's been designed. It's like, yeah. yeah, like, no, I know it's been designed, but, like, my, I always focus way much more on function rather than, like, well, they had, they had love, thought of A lot of, of that is maybe because a lot of the architecture that you do see is more functional architecture. Yeah. But, like, hearing him speak about things in terms that we would t- talk about cin- yeah. cinematography in movies, like, it, like a lot of what he was saying was making me think of conversations we've had about the most recent Blade Runner mm. sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, that gave me an appreciation for architecture that I've never really had before, which was pretty cool. Uh, the churches were all so, so extravagant as well. Yeah. Like, I've never seen so much gold in my entire life. Yeah. Uh, so the Spanish crazy. Do if there's one thing the Spanish do well, it's religion. Like, they go full text out for that. Yeah. But uh, I forget where this is going. I think it was just the backstory about how like how the first week was really good because yeah. I was meeting these people and stuff. But yeah, it was John eventually on the very last day where we were having lunch before everyone went their separate ways. Uh, he said that I would make a good Catholic. Uh, and after spending so much time with him, like I was shocked that I didn't take it as a fuck off, John. <laughs> like I actually took it as a compliment. It's like so weird, yeah, like fair. so fucking odd. And then, um, and then, as you've said, Danny turned up and all went to shit. Yeah, but like not not because Danny was there. Uh, it was because 
we were doing like longer distances, yeah. which meant that we were not seeing the same faces uh, day in day out. Mm. Like for the first couple of days, we weren't doing crazy distances. So like there was a French guy called Gerard that we both saw, but like he did not speak a word of English at mm. all. He was just mega kind of friendly. So like it was just kind of handshakes and smiles yeah. for like the first couple of days, and then like eventually we kind of tried to speak to him a bit more, but like you know just. The yeah. language barrier was such a massive thing; it just it couldn't really happen. Yeah. But like, uh, we we did like kind of grow to to just enjoy seeing them. So it was like, you know, like the three or four days into like doing these distances and stuff, we were sitting like getting a uh, pizza, and Gerard walked by, and we're like Gerard, and like he'd come over and like we'd be hugging and stuff and shaking hands and like get our picture taken because we knew it was probably going to be the last time we were going to see him and stuff like that. Uh, so even like not being able to speak to him, it was still yeah. kind of strange. Kind of just still make a connection. Yeah, there was just yeah. still familiarity there. Like, uh, there was a, a couple of Italians. Like, Danny, like, really likes Italy, like, way more than like Spain. Uh, for him, this was like the final kind of test to see if he's going to bother sticking with Spanish. Like, after spending weeks walking across the country, like, if it didn't kind of ignite any interest in him, he was going to switch to learning Italian. Well, not only that, I mean, um, Danny lived <clears> in Spain for two years. Yeah, yeah. So, like, meet, meeting those Italians on the road and stuff, like, uh, Danny, like, started kind of eagerly talking to them and like one of the guys Piero uh, was like, quite a cool dude like you know we were kind of talking to him like but this was like we'd seen him at several places but never actually really had a proper conversation mm-hmm. with him and then like on one of the days we had a good conversation with him but on that day he stopped before we did and we never saw him again mm-hmm. um, but that was like the, the kind of recurrent thing like we had a conversation with a bartender who had done the Camino himself uh, like he had a tattoo that kind of you know that's how I, I knew he'd done it and like kind of spoke spoke to him about it and they like Santiago is like supposed to be where the end of the pilgrimage is but there's like an additional kind of eighty kilometers part that you can do additionally to that uh, where you go to uh, Musia in Finisterre uh, it's called like the end of the world so like this bartender had kind of put it into Danny's head that that would be like a really good thing to do like you made mm-hmm. it sound really appealing not just Danny like myself as well but it meant that like we had to up our minimum distance each day from like doing at least 27 kilometers to something like 35 and it just that like absolutely made it so we were never seeing the same person twice yeah. uh, and that like just really impacted like how how memorable a lot of the experience yeah. was yeah. and on top of that like each day was just way more demanding like we weren't getting into places until like a lot later on and we were like really tired by the time we got there so you know, it was just it was a different experience, and because I was with Danny, like we were talking to each other yeah. for the most part. So yeah, uh, though I have now been going on about this for like what an hour or something. Like you're starting to like bored out your tits. No, I'm just really high. Fair enough. <laughs> I was enjoying listening to you talk. But yeah, that's that's essentially it. It was really good. It, it was great. A uh, feeling like I didn't have a job for what felt like yeah. months. Uh, like normally, like I always get three weeks off in a row and normally it just flies in and mm-hmm. then when I get back to work it just feels like I haven't really been anywhere. But with this one, honestly it felt towards the end like I had been away yeah, for it, about it, half a year. Because you've gone and done something. It makes a difference. It was great. Yeah. It was really great. <clears throat> Coming back to work sucked. Like fucking <laughs> big time, man. Like, mm. like getting back in Britain and I just getting on like familiar buses and coming through to Glasgow again right. and just seeing familiar things it was like really hit hard just how much I don't want to be here I guess <laughs> like I yeah and like going to work the next day like the dread like I mean everyone everyone I think gets that right like nah, the kind yeah. of day before they go back to work I just kind of oh, fuck 
but usually when you get in it's not that bad mm. but like that whole first day I was just like I don't want to be here I don't want to be here at all this is not what I want to be doing mm. and I yeah now, now I'm thinking like I would love to do like one of the longer six months efforts in America uh, if I could ever get a chance to do that fuck knows if that will ever happen though I save your pennies well it's more the time aspect of it it's quite your job can oh. you learn when you come back there you go so that was the Camino that was that was my my experience being away so Tommy how's your week been yeah, alright <laughs> man fortnight as it's kind of been yeah it's alright man watched a couple of classic movies see straight to business straight to business I don't really do anything though that's what I'm saying I, I, I haven't really done anything I I went to work uh, I, I went swimming. I didn't really do anything interesting, I'm honest with you. I think Jeez. I went... Did you get any good crisps? No, no. Uh, I don't think I've... Did you get any bad crisps? I don't think I had any crisps uh, during my fortnight. No, last fortnight. No, no. That's what I'm saying. It's been... Can I fucking lie you living? I'm bored, <laughs> boring, man. I'm a really fucking boring life. I don't really do anything. That's what I'm saying. I just watched... I went to work, I came home, I tr- like it's been fucking really warm. It has been unbearably warm. And yeah. I really can't stand that shit. So yeah. I've been, you know, trying and I've been trying to sleep. I've been taking about eight showers a day because I'm just trying to cool the fuck down. In in Lagronio it was forty four degrees. Fuck that. Yeah. Like, like, I could actually I could not I could feel the heat coming back off the fucking tarmac. It made it hurt to breathe. Oh, it could have been kind of dry that. heat out of the That's horrible, man. I couldn't uh, do that. Forty four. That's what forty four is fucking rough. All I could think about was how, like, when we worked in the cinema, things had to be 63 degrees uh, before they were, like, safe to sell to the public because that killed everything. No, they had, no, they had to be 82. <laughs> no, it was 63. Six, 63 is the danger zone. Was it? Yeah. Uh, it goes uh, 1 to 75. Uh, sorry, 5 to 75. 75 if something's been cooked from raw. I worked in that cinema for seven and a half years. Why is like the number sixty three in my head? Are you sure it wasn't? Yes. Okay. I'll take a word for it because you still work in the food industry, and I'm guessing you're more up to date on that stuff and just have you know a better memory of it than me. But like, fair enough. Then yeah. I, I had it in my head. It was sixty three. So I was like, mm. um, temperatures were almost hot enough to kill. Nah, it's too been, it's been too warm. Uh, our mate Santino, he was up for a couple of days, which was cool. Uh, seen Craig as well. Craig Balnev was up. Got to see him for a wee bit and we hung out, which was cool. Um, and me, Santino and Steve-O were at uh, Bucks Bar in West Regent Street. And oh, you, Tino, want t- you want a t-shirt? Tino seen a wings challenge. He's like, do you want to try that, man? That'd be a laugh. And I says, I will do that. We'll do that on Sunday or whatever. So I went along and like Steve-O was like, messaging me like before then saying, I don't think you should do it, man. It'll probably hurt your stomach and you'll have a shite night. And I says, oh, I don't know. I said I'd do it, so I'd do it. Uh, and it was like in 10 minutes you had to finish five wings um, really hot wings X amount of Scoville whatever it was and then it was like yeah that and a side of um, chilli chips and I was like okay and then Neil came along for that and uh, Steve-O and Tino were like oh, man, you don't need to do it you know you don't need to do it. You've, we've given you an out and I went oh fuck I said I'd do it so I'd do it uh, and I, I sculled that like seven minutes I don't know what the fuck they're Challenge my arseman, that was easy it's as hell. the same though, like we see food challenges in Glasgow now and again, and they seem ridiculously easy. Like the one yeah, that was know, that, this one did seem really easy. Like I tried a bit of the the sauce that was supposed to be really hot, mm. and I'm not that great with kind of spicy mm. stuff. And it just wasn't hot. He was like that. I remember like, when, like, we, like, when like, we stayed at the top end of town, there was like a subway. 
thing where it was like eat a three foot sub uh, in X in, amount of time. in an hour. Aye, and like, you were like, I was like, we'll have yeah, that in ten fucking minutes. Aye, like, but coming. it was like right, you, they, they brought out like a bit a waiver that I'd signed saying we don't take you, you are responsible for your own actions, etc. I had to put on blue gloves and goggles because it was I mean, supposed to be that intense. Spectacle for of course it was. Yeah. Of course it was. But that's what I'm saying. So I ate the chips because I'd been in Bucks Bar before, so I knew what the chips were like. And I was like, yep, I know what to expect from that. And then I got to the wing and I was like, oh shit, I was a bit nervous in that. Stardina, I was like, no problem. Ate that and there was some sauce left over. Neil tried it and then he was like, try that wing that I've got. That's, that's hotter. Um, I don't think it was hotter, it was sweeter. It was nice. Pollock was kind of like, oh man, you don't need to do it. And I, I tried it and then like he had a wee bit and holy shit, he was struggling because he said to me, on a scale of 1 to 10, how uncomfortable are you? And I says, mate, 1? If that, it's not that bad. Yeah, but he is a real pussy about these Neil, things. Neil was like, this is fine. Bored. And then uh, Tino, well, no, Tino never even tried it, but it was nothing compared to the pepper in like uh, Poland. Oh, that was hard. Poland. Well, those ones that we had in Mikaku were far worse. Oh, I like they were yeah. like pff, shit. That was that was tense. Um, but to be fair, like see how you find them really hot. Mm-hmm. He again was like. Right. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty. I was sweating a lot when I, I I'm the, usually pretty good when it comes to spicy yeah. food as well. I was sweating a lot with those ones in Mukaku, but the ones in Bucks Bar were nothing. But then they were like, "Oh, like you know, you've done it in seven minutes. Uh, you get your T-shirt and you get a wee certificate." And she got them free. I was like, "What's your What's your name?" I was like, "Oh, Tommy." And then like, cool. And they, they brought back a, cert- a certificate that says this to certify that Tony. T O N N Y has completed this challenge. I was like, Tony. the fuck's called yeah. Tony? Is that I, mean, a name? I really hope that that person knew what they were doing and this was like the sort I of ho- thing. I hope so as well. Like, oh man, we were bored because Paul's like, don't change it, man. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, I'm like, I won't change it. Uh, and that was it. But this is the thing. Like, see, do you know? Maybe that's what their gag is. It's all just a way to amuse themselves. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. They get all these, they get these folk in. The wing challenge isn't even that hard. No. And it's done deliberately so that everybody wins it. So that when they get the wee certificate at the end, it's got a really stupid name on it. I love this idea. Because they're still paying for the food. Yeah. They're, they're not losing it. I mean, you get a t shirt, though. Aye, but it's a, it's a and a fun shit, certificate. It's a really shitty how, how much? Like, how, how expensive were the wings? How expensive uh, was the wings? It was 11 quid. Like yeah, it was like 11, 11 bucks for five wings. Is no, you but as as I said to Neil and Pollock and that I was like yeah, this this wasn't uncomfortable fun. this was just a meal yeah and then yeah jokes on you for paying yeah. one quid for five chicken wings Tony and chips. Tony not really no because <laughs> see when see what you're getting in that that's average for Dude, one you used part. to get sixty wings in the sports cafe the, the, for two pound yeah but they oh, they they're, they're, they're not quality fucking days man we're like you felt the like. Not a predator, just to be clear, the predator. <laughs> when you were finished, because it was just like a big plate of bones. Mm. But see, like um, after it, because um, Paul and Tito were like, "Oh man, you don't need to do it. You'll feel terrible." See, after I did it, Paul was like, oh, "I'm not," and and both Tito kind of underwhelming. I was kind of hoping you'd be suffering. I says, "You don't fucking want to tell me not to do it." And then Paul was looking up more challenges for me to do. And to, apparently, to there be was... fair, Tommy, my arse was so sore still because I was like the same we kid falling down the stairs. Mm. I deliberately came out because I thought uh, Tommy's going to look like an arsehole. I know you, I know you that did. That was the only reason I came. I know you did. I was like, that's Paul Contino. Have you spoke about your arse on the podcast before? Oh yeah, I think I told him last week that I'd fallen downstairs and yeah. went. Oh, I knew arse. that. I was, how is, like, how I was, is it recovered? It's not as sore as it's been. I'm still not great moving from side to side. 
Yeah. Uh, but I'm uh, trying to get any. Do you do a lot of moving from sea to sea? In my job, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, um, I, I knew that. So I'm, I'm trying to get uh, physiotherapy. So, but this is not. No, I, I, I was like to Paul Contino and says, Neil is only coming to see me possibly suffer because he's got a really sore fucking arse. So I don't know why he'd want to come out, but that's why he's, he's coming I, for he's coming for the total freak show that this might be. Maybe maybe I was coming to support my friend. Bollocks, were you? You were coming to see you were coming to see me fucking possibly sore, and it didn't work. But in the end, we had a nice evening. I don't, <laughs> I don't mean any malice behind it. I know you don't. I just, I know, me. I know what you are. I know what you are. Don't have um, any malice behind it. I'm just a terrible person. No, I just, I know what that is. Naturally, I don't. Even actually, I that's exactly why he's out then. Um, but anyway, it was. I'm sure it was. And you got to see Tino as well. But yeah, Tino yeah. absolutely. Seeing Tino was absolutely secondary to possibly seeing me sweat like a fucking maniac and possibly die. Um, but yeah, other than other than that, like uh, no, I've just a very kind of average week. Apart from you said, well, you said your arse is getting better. How's your week been? Um, well, I've done absolutely fuck all. Like today is pretty much the first I've been out of the house in a couple of weeks. No wonder you were like so excited when you finally came round to your man. Like uh, <laughs> I thought it was like strangely upbeat of you. Oh yeah, I'm going stir crazy. crazy in that house, mm. especially because it's been so warm. Um, you know, like you're welcome round here anytime, not just when the podcast is on. Yeah, right? I know. I know. Like, I, I'm also a very lazy man. Okay, I've also been full of painkillers, so uh, not really been a state to do very much. Um, so yeah, lying in bed and all my stuff like my PlayStation and my big tellys there, and the room's not that small, so you get a lot of heat off it. Mm. You get all the windows wide open. You're still not getting any air. Oh, shite! Absolute shite. And my arse is dead sore. <laughs> yep. Uh, the arse is key. Mm. It's pivotal. Yeah. It's weird, let's see. You don't really think about what you do with that muscle, like your tailbone kind of muscles, your coccyx and this stuff, mm. until you've hurt them. And, and you realise yeah. that absolutely Aye. every mm. single movement in your body mm. goes through them. It's, yeah. just, it's the same with like loads of parts of your body, though, man. Like I remember getting sunburn on my shins ages mm. ago mm. and like going to the toilet to pee. And then just being in the most excruciating pain because, yeah. like, you never think about it normally, mm. but you tense your legs up when you pee. Yeah. So it's just like yeah. getting damage to any part of your body's like that, like that getting or, a cut in your finger. Aye, that's what I was going to say. See, when you cut like your thumb, you don't realize yeah. how much you use your fucking yeah. thumb for shit, and it's like sore all the time. But yeah. So other than that, it's been fine. I've, mm. I've read a lot of comics, which I've actually it's been good to have that time to read read big bulks of runs and mm. things like that now. Mm. Um, watch this and watch some stuff on the telly. Played video games. Mm. What have you watched on the telly? Uh, Never mind that. What video games first? <laughs> Briefly, uh, uh, it's very brief. Um, I I finished Spider Man on the PS4, which kind of thing back on it. A bit underwhelmed, to be honest. It's all right. Like, it's a game where a lot of the stuff is based on movement and. Being able to kind of link a lot of stuff together, kind of almost like the Batman kind of Shadow of More kind of combat kind of style, but see, before because it was all swinging, I just couldn't really get that into it. Did you not play the a Spider Man Two game in the PS Two? Yeah, this is but that's, like that's so, so long ago that I played that. But see, when you got into a rhythm of it, and you and you got like the web sling, uh, you went to that kind of proper kind of time in it. It was good and it was enjoyable, but. It's, it was kind of like uh, it's kind of like using chopsticks. 
where if you've not used them for a while, that first kind of wee, wee goes where you're trying to get used to them again, you totally keep fucking it up, and eventually you get the rhythm down. It's kind of like that. The story was all right, but I just, I don't know, I just didn't, didn't hit me the way that I think the hype for it kind of said it would. Mm. And what was the other thing? Oh, I've been playing The Evil Within. Don't talk about that though, because I own it, but I haven't started it, so I don't want to know anything about it. Okay, not <clears throat> uh, when I when I got I got it. Uh, no, I played. I borrowed it off of someone, uh, and played it when it first came out, and I couldn't get into it. It was one of these games that had the forced uh, letterboxing, All right, like okay. the order, right? Um, but they must have patched loads of it because um, that's now been taken out. You can have full screen and stuff. Yeah. The only thing I know about it is, like, apparently it was very, very influenced by The Last of Us because, like, so much of you, it feels like that. You can see The Last of Us, you can see Resident Evil 4. Um, it's from the guy who made Resident Evil 4, Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, it's all right. It's, it's a total B game. Yeah. It's very much a B game. And it's long. So, uh, TV shows? Well, have you watched any TV shows, Pyro? I managed to watch a bulk of Evangelion when I was on the Camino, mm-hmm. uh, which we've been kind of cursory talking around for a past couple of shows. Mm-hmm. But before we started recording, like I said to you, man, like I'm quite kind of conscious of the fact that like, the listeners we do have, I don't think are that bothered about anime. So like, whenever we start talking about it, I'm just you don't very, know that though. I'm just very aware of when I'm listening to gaming podcasts or other podcasts and they continually go on about something I don't care about that it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, not again, man. Hey, but other like, folk this is different anime, anime, but it's still like, if, if you don't like anime and you're like, oh, here we go, they're talking about anime again. Like, I think we should maybe do like a separate podcast about anime and we're going to talk in depth about it. Okay. <clears throat> I will say that I was enjoying it at the start, like uh, the first eight episodes, I still think hold up really well, and like just a uh, my god, these gigantic robots are cool kind of way. As soon as Asuka gets introduced, it becomes almost unwatchable for about five episodes because she's she is a, lot. a hypersexualized child, yeah. and a uh, that is not it's not easy to watch. It's not good to watch at all. Is in the DVD cut? Yeah. Mm. Um, but like when I watched them originally though I was 14 years old so it was like what little I fucking understood of it wasn't what I feel now when I watch it as a 36 year old mm. um, but yeah like after that like when everything starts to just fucking go off the rails in the kind of narrative sense I love that show like that's like the the last third of that that kind of series I think is fucking spectacular. Uh, I love the movie as well. I think it's absolutely fucking great. I know that you had the opposite kind of thoughts though. Like, no, I I still honestly don't really. I don't have a defined. Do I like it? Do I not like it? There's a lot of stuff in it I do like of it. Yeah. Um. I feel like I I did a bit kind of reading into it and stuff and. Uh, one thing which I think you feel kind of watching it is they used to write it see the way that the Strive Park makes shows yeah. week to week uh, these were written week to week 
and I think see by the time you get maybe 16, 17 episodes in it's when he got a fascination and, with a Freud and Jung yeah, yeah and you can feel his depression's getting worse and yeah. worse and it's all there on the, on the page I think as much as that is fascinating to watch and brings out some really amazing concepts yeah I think it makes a lot of the story minutiae just disappear and never and it's too much of a rush then at the end to kind of can I explain I, certain I, I, I can I can get that. It's dense. Like the yeah. last the last third of that TV show is fucking jam packed with just wall to wall shit. It's yeah. just like not shit in a bad way, but just like stuff is just yeah. fucking kicking off. It, just, it, it, throw, it like throws just, a lot at yeah. you. Like I I I think if you were gonna watch it, Tommy, I think you will enjoy the first third of it. And you will fucking detest it by the end. I don't see you getting to the episode twenty six and being like, "That was great." Okay. Like the first eight episodes are very much just like. Oh yeah, when it's still when it's a mech show. Yeah. It's like a mech yeah. show with like a bit of nuance, yeah. like a, a bit of like all the characters in it are kind of fucked up. Like no one's really happy. Everybody's lying see, to each that, other. I think that was another thing for me. I didn't like a lot of the characters. Um, so find it kind of hard to sympathise yeah. with them. I, I'm surprised that like, you you like seem to really take a dislike to Shinji from the conversation we're having. Such a he's such a whiny bitch. Man. But like, Shinji reminds me so much of you. <laughs> maybe maybe that maybe that is the problem. That face of myself on the screen. Yeah, possibly. A main character in a TV show that is like quite clearly suffering from depression yeah. quite clearly has like dissociative uh, problems and stuff like that like I found that fascinating I found that like something it's like I mean like, a lot of the stuff he does you just like fucking get over it just move yeah, on yeah like that I think that's my um, kind of thing with him it's like go on with it but I like Masato Masato for me yeah. is probably the best character in it yeah she seems the most well rounded yeah yeah definitely yeah I uh, yeah there's, there's parts of that show that are good there's parts of that show that have really aged fucking terribly. Mm-hmm. Like the character who's quite clearly based on James Bond, Kanji, is one of the fucking worst characters in fiction that I've ever seen. Like he practically just tries to fucking rape women left, right, yeah. and centre. Like which again, watching like the old James Bond movies, he was oh, pretty right. fucking yeah, bad. Pretty rapey, yeah. Uh, so yeah. It's an interesting show. The movie though is fucking uh, superb, man. Uh, the, the movie is the movie is very good just because it's it's so weird and so brutal in places and it just kind of fuck, it fucks with you and it there's this total baller move where it puts the credits in the middle of the film yeah just so the very last shot can go well fuck, fuck you. you yeah that's like the so the, the history, I've got to appreciate that the, the history yeah. of Evangelion was like towards the end of the TV show's run they kind of overspent in the budget, so they had to like do like a lot of stuff to conserve money. But like the way it ended was like such a kind of really surreal I really thing. Like those yeah, like episodes. the the, the ending's but, but odd. for me, right? Okay, I really like the last two episodes. I think they're really well done. Even I think those the kind of stuff that was done for budgetary reasons. Yeah, it works. I, it works for it. Yeah, I just felt so disassociated from anything that had come before it yeah absolutely because the human instrumentality project hadn't really been explained <laughs> in any way it doesn't it doesn't get explained like, it kind of so, do a wee bit yeah, in the film like no like having this is now like the third or fourth time I've watched the entire thing and like a, 
having as much of a grasp on it as I do now, mm. watching it this time around made a lot more sense. There's a lot more there when you know what to look yeah. for. Uh, but yeah, like if you if you're not primed to look for information, then it's kind of yeah. hard to discern. But like the, the like the the guy who created it uh, got like death threats and stuff, and like there was like graffiti graffiti on like the office walls and stuff, like about how like just fans weren't happy with it, were going to kill him and stuff. And uh, not only did he put those death threats in the movie like you actually see those yeah. death threats in the actual film itself like he incorporates them into the actual narrative uh, he at that point was like well we've now got like a fucking big budget to do this film I'm going to give people what they want what they want to see so you finally see Asuka like just fucking having five minutes of just absolutely unhinged combat like she yeah. just fucking wipes things out it's like so hyper violent and stuff but he made a point of saying, I'm going to give you what you want, but I'm going to make you pay for it at every turn. Every single time something good happens that you wanted to see, I'm going to make you fucking pay for it. I'm going to punish you for having it. So, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say how that happens, yeah. but, yeah, like, every single outcome, like, something good happens, and then something that just hurts you happens immediately after it. Like, I, I like that idea that he yeah. just, he made it out of spite. He was like, fuck the fans. You guys are assholes. It was good. So that, Paul like the TV show and the film. Yeah, right. Paul was saying that he thinks Interviews with Aliens one of his favorite films. Right. I like. I understand most of what happens in the whole thing. There's one thing that happens at the very end of the movie that I don't understand the motivation for at all. It's not even like symbolism or metaphors or anything. It's like an action that Shinji does. I just don't understand why he does it. The very last thing you see him do. Why oh, the fuck the, does he? Yeah. Why did he do that? I like. I think it's like see the, see the very last shot of the TV series. Yeah, I think it's the the mirror side of that, um, where in what in one and after the video I watched, I talked they talked about timelines, how everything happens in yeah, different yeah, timelines. Yeah. It was like an Asian guy. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're both different timelines. It's one timeline where Shinji has chosen, all right, the human instrumentality project has shown him that. Other people can be happy, which can then also make him happy, and he's accepted that uh, there's a way out of depression. Whereas the other side of it is it's just him accept, accepting the same cycle of violence, like over and over, over and over, that nothing will ever change. I thought it was maybe something to do because with the fact of that his like, because of his choice. I thought it was like so much of his reasoning <laughs> in the the kind of the run up to this, like he gets place with like a massive decision mm-hmm. and like he chooses life essentially like yeah. he is now confident enough in himself to like decide that he wants people to still exist yeah and then like that, that's the tv ending no no the movie ending like when he wakes up on the beach and it's just like it's just him and her i was like uh, is that like right. does he do it because he's like i chose life i chose for people to exist and she's the only one that's here like that's the kind of thing that I kind of yeah, took from it. I never really got that. I but even then I was just like I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I just don't there's understand there's that. A, there's a lot of stuff in that. In that show. In Try to be vague but talk about it at the same time yeah, also yeah. isn't really helping. Like what I will say is like that show. I watched it when it was first out, so mm-hmm. I was like 14, 15 years old, and I had not realized until rewatching it now how much that has shaped my preferences for all of entertainment. Like a. I think it's, there's a reason why 
I'm a big fan of unconventional storytelling when it's done right. Mm. Like, it's the reason why, like, I fucking hate things like The Last Jedi and stuff like that, where, like, it tries to do it but fails, in my opinion. Like, there's a reason why, like, I'm drawn to, like, gigantic events happening, like, really spectacular events happening and stuff. And it's because of things like Evangelion, where I'm so used to, like, you know, it's not just got a sniper rifle. The sniper rifle is using the power from the entirety of Japan. Mm. And, like, a, when it fires a bullet, it has to eject a gigantic fuse, which is, you know, it's kind of standing for an actual casing for a, a bullet and stuff like that. And it's, like, you see it crushing a car and, like, knives that are big enough to slice planes in half. And, like, the robots are just ripping roofs off of buildings. And, you know, like, big things happen as well. Like, just bases vanish. Like, entire military bases just disappear. Like... You know, just like Evangelion is not afraid to fucking hurt the world. Like the world changes throughout the mm. show, and like you know, it's like so many kind of nukes get set off, like a near populated areas and cities, and everything gets fucked and stuff. So it's like when you go back to like Western cinema, it all just feels so fucking tame and dead in comparison. Like, see, that this is something I actually thought about today, where you saw it when you were fourteen. I saw it when I'm 39. Yeah. So I've seen everything that's gone on to influence. Yeah. And I wonder if that's impacted like your enjoyment my of it. enjoyment yeah. of it. Because I can not, see that. It's not new anymore. It's very so much... Because let's see yeah. if I watched that when I was 14, I would think it was the greatest yeah. thing ever. It's, it's very much philosophy light as well. It's like one of those things where it never quite fully uh, commits to like having philosophical conversations. Yeah. It just skirts around the edges of it in a way that kind of makes you end up thinking about it more on your own mm. which is something I also really appreciate when movies have kind of got that level of it. so it doesn't feel like a lecture it feels like it's given you the kind of pieces yeah. of philosophical arguments and then you can decide to look them up or not uh, but yeah like I, I do think that like it's influenced my tastes way more than I'd ever realised uh, and like this time around as well like I'd said to our friend Alan Kerr uh, in the WhatsApp group about how like the last five episodes of that, there's so much Metal Gear Solid in there. Like, just Metal Gear Solid 2 and the end of Evangelion mm-hmm. are so tonally similar. And then just after I'd sent that message, there's a YouTuber called Super Bunny Hop brought out a video going, how much Metal Gear Solid is in Evangelion? So it's like, obviously I wasn't the only one to make that comparison. Uh, but yeah, it's like, Metal Gear Solid, for people listening, is also my favourite video game. Have you watched the character reveal of Die Hartman? Yes. Is that not the greatest thing you've ever seen? It's the very Kojima thing. Yeah. Tell me, have you watched it? No. It's uh, Nicholas Wyndham Refn's character. No, um, no, no. That's your, it's two different folk. Die Hard Man is one person. Hartman. Sorry, Hartman. Is, the one Hartman is Nicholas Wyndham Refn's character in uh, the new uh, Kojima game. All right. Stranding. Mm. His character has the ability... What is it? He dies every twenty-one every, every, minutes. Every twenty-two minutes, he dies. He has a heart attack and yeah. dies, and has three minutes to look for his family in the afterlife. And then before he gets back to life. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably the most Kojima thing ever. Yeah, and it's mm. pretty good. I hope that game's good. Uh, you really hope it is. But yeah, there's also a character in it called Die Hard Man. Yeah, that sounds about right. Is that yeah. Troy Baker? That's Die Hard Man. Quite possibly. Yeah. Toy Baker's probably okay. Tommy, what you watched this week? So we left, kind of left you out. No, so not at all. Let's swing like, back uh, to anime at some point. No, like, um, well, I was gonna say, like, um, if well, I mean, you watched all of Jessica Jones, didn't you, Paco? Yeah, it was shit. Mm, I did it turn out that uh, Patsy was the baddie. 
Kind of. Yes. Right, okay. Well, I mean, look, look, no. The main body is like uh, just... Was it a full killer? An incel. <laughs> like some guy called Salinger who was just like a brainy dude who had like seven degrees in like law and engineering. It and was then, Red Dragon. Yeah, pretty right, much. Okay. It was, like, uh, it was just an awkward, an awkward white loner. No, it was like... He he was the villain, but then it did that thing where Patsy became like the the main concern towards the end. She was the super villain concern. Yeah. Well, kinda. It's the, the whole thing being like she like her spoilers cat, for Jessica Jones. It was shit though. It it was very disappointing. But again, that's just because again for me, Patsy is not one. I don't think the actress is too good, and I thought the character is not interesting. Her character art for me is bullshit. It's one. It's been it, consistently the worst thing in the show. It, it's the kind of thing that exists in the Arrowverse, in my opinion, because that is exactly the kind yeah. of character art that they do. Where it's rushed, it's bullshit. You don't buy it for a second. Yeah. Also, her superpowers are balls. It's yeah, like, she can see in the dark, and she's got agility. See, seeing in the dark seems to be like she's the only like one though, because like well. no, she can she she can fall from great heights, but land on her feet right. because she's Hellcat. I was this, I was trying yeah. to remember from the actual comic character. No, she doesn't have strength because even Jessica like the Jones the agility stuff though, like she shitted that to begin with as well. It's like yeah. there's a montage where she basically teaches herself parkour but it's like nothing that she does in it is anything that a normal person couldn't achieve with also training yeah I didn't really Uh, I didn't hate it I mean like other than the the kind of landing on her feet thing because like yeah yeah it was lame Uh, Netflix wise I started watching um, season 2 of Happy which is even more fucking bonkers than the first season. Um, I've yet to go back to. It. I will. Um, it's. Uh, I've heard it described as if happy is crank. Happy, happy is crank too. Correct. That's that's um, that's one hundred percent right. Um, but yeah, like other than that, I've just been watching a lot of like um, a lot of kind of classic movies, like like eighties, nineties kind of efforts. Um, like I stuck on the fugitive. I hadn't seen that in years. It's still excellent. Um, and then I was like, cool, I kind of while watching our Tommy Lee Jones film, so I stuck on The Client, which, again, decent. Paul uh, goes in The Client. No, he's in, you think, I think, A Time to Kill. I am thinking of it. Um, but they are both Joel Schumacher films. Uh, the Client is, again, your typical John Grisham adaptation. Uh, uh, in, this, in this particular one, um, a small boy sees Jesus next to an Audi. And uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's about a boy that witnesses a murder, but he's gonna get hauled into court. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is like the prosecutor, but it's like this whole thing. It's it's your typical Grisham adaptation. Jackson, no, you're thinking uh, a type of kill. Yeah. <laughs> Sandra Bullock's also a type of kill. Yeah. I think it's Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Uh, in this, it's uh, Susan Sarandon and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, yeah, still very decent movie. And then That's again, I remember who the kid is. Is it Brad something? No, like I can't remember the name of the kid. Um, he was in a couple of things, yeah. but he died at a really young age, like of a drug overdose. Um, and again, yeah, it again it just I kind of went on this weird spiral of right. So it's almost like a right. It's like you know how we were talking about. Oh, sorry, you know I mean you were watching that episode of Parks and Rec where Tom's like you go on Wikipedia and then you this next thing you know you're on uh, this page. So I went from the fugitive with Tommy Lee Jones to the client, and I was like, cool, an aggression thing. Right, I watch Runaway Judy, so I watched that. And then I was like, hmm, Gene Hackman's in that. I want to watch another Gene Hackman film, so I watched Crimson Tide. <laughs> and then, uh, I think I went back to Tommy Lee Jones and watched Cobb, which is like a biopic about Ty Cobb, who 
It's a decent biopic, except the guy who invented corn and corn. Correct, man. Well, and he was, and in his spare time, in his spare time, was arguably the greatest baseball player that ever lived. But he was not a nice man, and that's the problem. The film is it's all right, but. He is a despicable human being, so it's hard to kind of warm up to him. Is, totally. that, is that not just the way of the world? Yeah, maybe. And then again, from Cobb, I mean, about baseball, I watched the Tony Scott movie, The Fan, with Wesley Snipes. So you were talking a lot about baseball movies? Or yeah, like, yeah. Oh, okay. I watched uh, that, which has got uh, Wesley Snipes and Robert De Niro. Um, it's a decent effort. It's, I remember that being that week. It's forgettable because, again... De Niro at that point had already played a psycho stalker in Cape Fear. Yeah. This is just Cape Fear with baseball. Yeah, De Niro was kind of in the outs. So yeah. Um, and then I don't know why I went back to courtroom drama, but I, I rewatched A Few Good Men, which is like one of my favourite movies. Uh, absolutely love it. Still a classic. Uh, and then went to Beetlejuice, which again, decent wee Sunday. Courtroom drama. I see the thing. Exactly, man. And then uh, I watched uh, Air Force One. <laughs> Why? Why did fucking the Harrison Ford thing? Yeah, I love Air Force One. Oh, I love it. It was great. I remember it being alright. Yeah. I mean, like I'm saying that, but like literally the only thing I can remember about it is him saying, "Get off my plane." Yeah, yeah. And you that, were probably steaming at the time. Uh, yeah. yeah, Air Force One. Harry Ford is the president, and uh, Gary Oldman's terrorists take over his uh, his I, plane. Just die hard, but in a plane, uh, pretty much. Oh. Yeah. Um, so it's passenger fifty seven. Ah, uh, well, uh, I watched, and I, I think I said to you, I rewatched Robocop, which is still just like a perfect film. High stars, mate. High brilliant. stars. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, and again, I, last night I f- watched P- Police Squad. I didn't want to watch Naked Gun. I wanted right, to watch okay, Police yeah. Squad. Police Squad's a good Because me and my brother were talking about it, and that was the precursor to the Naked Gun. Yeah, there was some really funny yeah, stuff in it. I was like, this show. is decent. And again, that being like Abrams and the Zucker brothers, I ended up watching Airplane. <laughs> That's why we're watching that, right? Yeah, and then I, f- from that, f- what else did I go to? Uh, no, that was it. Like, I, I just I, I had a marathon of, like, almost... Well, I watched that, so it's that person's in that. I watched this, I watched Did you watch that. all this in the one day? No! Right. sake, man, this was over the course of a week. Um, yeah, so I, I just, I've been on a kind of... That's uh, what I maybe three a night, right? Uh, two or three a night, yeah. I've just kind of been on a marathon with that. Uh, I I started watching... Yeah, maybe I get a hobby. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, is that not what the watching the movies is? Pretty much that and swimming. Uh, and then, like, my brother asked me, well, he recommended that I watch Trailer Park Boys, which I didn't realise was as old as it is. Um, I started watching it. It's complete trash, yeah, but I found it a lot of it entertaining. But it is trash. Oh, I watched a sitcom, not a sitcom, a sketch show on Netflix. Oh, I thought, what was it called? I Did think it's called I Think I Should Leave. Mm. Um, it's like, so like, they're 15 minute episodes, uh, three sketches per episode, and it's really, it's kind of really cringy, sometimes quite dark humour. Ah. They're, it's really, really good. It's like, um, uh, it's produced by the Lonely Island guys. Alright, okay. It's got a lot of sense. Andy Samberg and like Akira Schaefer or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's got a lot of kind of XSNL getting people putting about in it. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, uh, I'll try to remember what it's called. Uh, um, I think I should leave. I think is what it's called. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I've just kind of been marathoning those things. Uh, you what? You've watched a bunch of stuff on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, um, 
You watched Babadook? Is that your first time? Uh, yeah, that was the first time watching Babadook. I remember you saying, uh, I've never wanted to kill a yeah, way. Yeah, fuck, that kid is a fucking nightmare in that film. I, I really didn't like that film, and I'm like, basically because I wanted that child to die. Yeah, it really kind of ruined my enjoyment of that film, because he had such just as a wee shit bag. Okay, fair enough, like, the boy died. Uh, sorry, the boy's father died the night he was born. All right, okay. But he's a bastard to his mum. He get be a wee prick. Mm-hmm. His mum's really trying as well. She yeah. really is trying. So yeah, the Babadook was all right. And I'm sure he's probably talked about it before on a. a I, I I I I am in a total minority. Have you seen it? I remember watching it and being like the only person that didn't like it. But again, everybody fucking loved it. It's it's an Australian horror film, uh, which is about a. Uh, a single mother who uh, had had her son, uh, sorry, her, her partner died in a car crash on the way to the hospital to deliver the son. So it's her really struggling. Uh, eight years since he was born. Um, he's got behavioural issues, kind of lives in his own kind of fantasy world. At no point did they ever say, like, he's... No, it's just... Problems. It's just a, he's just a bit of a dick. Um, yeah, it just happens to be, it's this entity. But, yeah, yeah. I was, but, very, I, I was again. I don't have a problem with that, but I just found it really hard to sympathise with yeah. anything that was going on. It's it's very much a film about how we, how people process grief. Yeah, and how people kind of then uh, internalise it and then put force it out on the other people, like how people react. Yeah, it's 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 a film of ambition and what mm. it's trying to say. This doesn't do it very well. No. Uh, you also, like you said, you watched the Taco Chronicles. Oh, man, the Taco Chronicles is fucking amazing. <laughs> um, Are you saying taco? Taco, taco. as in the T-A-C-O, food. T-A-C-O, as in the food. food. It's a six-part documentary series on Netflix. Mm. It's uh, Mexican-produced. Uh, it's all about tacos. It's um, It shows you... It goes to different regions in Mexico... Uh, there's like different style of taco mm-hmm. but they're only a wee half hour long right? uh, so they can talk about this that's still ta- three hours of talking about tacos yeah but it's not <laughs> it's, it's about how each t- style of taco has a history and it's uh, it's kind of place within the communities how it brings communities together it tells you about the people who sell them who make these tacos goes into recipes and things like that mm-hmm. it's total food porn it's it's mm-hmm. really well produced. Uh, it's it feels authentic that, that what it's telling you isn't isn't just some here's the story of tacos for the tourists. This is this is a real thing. It's it's good. It's kind of it's like food anthropology. All right. Okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, you said was it something Wolf Brigade? Oh, Ilang the Wolf Brigade. Uh. Korean film uh, directed by the man who brought us I Saw the Devil, mm. Tale of Two Sisters, a, uh, a Beautiful Life, uh, loads of stuff actually. Um, it's based on an anime called Jinro, the Wolf Brigade, uh, which itself is based on a manga of a different name. Mm. It's about um, Korea has decided that they're going to reunify. It's set in 2029. Mm-hmm. So they're going to reunify. Uh, the Chinese, the Americans, and Japanese don't like this idea because they'll now be a power within the region. So putting put loads of sanctions on them and stuff like that. This leads to not quite civil war, 
but social unrest and social uprising while this process goes through there's a load of terrorists who are called the sect who are they're the anti-reunification people um who are causing trouble all over the place uh the wolf brigade is a special a special team of the police which no actually they're not part of the police they work autonomous they're an autonomous mil- paramilitary organization mm. uh which is about public safety and stuff uh but they're dressed like they, they look like the hell ghast from the kill zone things okay so immediately it's not a good look yeah so immediately you're getting that kind of who's the baddies here mm. um a couple of kids get killed, so your main guy has issues because of that. He falls in, he, he, gets, he meets this woman who I believe is the sister of someone he actually killed. Uh, he falls in love with her. Turns out she's a, a, a spy for the actual polis mm. uh, who are out to try and frame this Ilang Wolf Brigade to kind of get them shut down. And it's all kind of political intrigue about that and then badass kind of stuff happens where he jumps out of tall buildings blows shit up mm. people get slaughtered and then it becomes another weird weird film where it becomes about uh, the cost of living this kind of dream of unification mm. uh, what it means to them as people and things like that it's, it's interesting it's um, cool yeah, that sounds actually pretty good. When I first saw the trailer, and it's, it's Netflix, uh, it never got a cinema release, but when I first saw the trailer, I thought this looks anime as fuck, and it's mm. not really. It's actually played a bit more straight. Okay. And then you get a couple of bits which are really anime as fuck. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, it's all right, yeah. Sweet. Um, another classic uh, that was re-released to the cinema recently was Jaws. Got the pleasure of seeing that a couple of times. It really is one of those films where, like, after it, you like see if you stick that back on. I'll sit and watch it again. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Do you say Quint's name is Robert Shaw? Yeah. Robert Shaw. Aye. He's excellent in that film. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's generally good at anything. Though. If Jaws ever gets made, though, Michael Shannon will be Quint. Yeah, yeah, but that that'll never happen. No, no see, chance. Like after we came out of that show, in, uh, Jaws, like I said to you, because like I can't think of anything else that Robert Shaw was in. Like, I know now, like, Neil told us that he was also a Bond villain. Yeah, he's in from Rush Love. Like, I don't remember him, is that, though? But, like, he plays the part of Quint so well mm. that I actually at one point thought he was maybe a real... Fisherman. Fisherman. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, he, he also doesn't, like, look like a, an actor. Like, he's no, kind of... He's got steaming most of the he's time. He's got a very working man look yeah. to him. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like, he is fucking great in that film, man. Like, yeah. sells it so well. Yeah, no, it's, again, absolutely brilliant film. Aged really well. Excellent. Excellent. <clears throat> but yeah, that was, a, that was a pleasure. Seeing that twice in like less than a week. And I was like, that oh, movie so. is fucking great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like some, some of the effects of the shark have kind of aged a little bit at this point. Like, I'd say a little bit. Like, it's quite clear that it's fake. Yeah, it's, like it's aged to the point that we're... You're still kind of into it, though. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah. it's quaint. It it's, doesn't, it doesn't like, take away from... Like anything that the film does, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of bits though that again, you're just like, this is brutal as fuck. Like, um, see when see when you see that kid die, 
Yeah. Jesus yeah. Like, On the big scenes, like, it's been long enough since I saw it the last time. Alex. We like, Alex, when he I, dies, fucking hell, it's brutal, man. I thought it was, like, misdirection at that sequence because, like, they were making out as if that kid was going to die. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, this is, like, I knew it was, like, a PG back in the day. I was like, there's no way that kid dies. Like, it's going to get, like, somebody else at this point if it's even there. Because, mm. as I said, it'd been, like, a long time since I saw it, man. Yeah. But that, like, watching that in the big screen... That is fucking graphic. Like it's kind of you don't see the dog die. The dog is the dog has probably been eaten. Yeah, but it's the kid you there's see. There's chunks of them just uh, like fucking flop away yeah, from like yeah. where the the kind of ruined uh, ear mat is. Yeah, crazy. No, really, really good man. Graphic and excellent. You never get that nowadays. For kids, PG, no stemmer stuff back then. <laughs> um, I'm trying. So are you? Well, you. Went this, since you've been back, you went to the cinema twice. Back yeah, up. I watched a uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home uh, and Toy Story Four. You've spoke about both of those, though, right? Yeah. yeah. How would you? Where would you rank Spider-Man: Far From Home in your Spidey movies? I know you're a big fan. I, I don't know. I don't know. I would need to watch Homecoming again. And I recently watched. I watched Homecoming before I went and watched Far From Home. I think Far From Home is probably my third favorite Spider-Man film after Spider-Verse and. Spider-Man 2. Spider-Verse is the clear winner. I yeah. think, Spi- when was the last time you watched Spider-Man 2 though? Because I get the feeling that that's probably not anywhere near as good as you it's remember. Been yeah, I don't think that would hold up as much. It's yeah. been a while, but yeah. Homecoming's still excellent. It was still really, really good. Like, it's, I've only seen Homecoming once and it was when it was in the cinema. Mm-hmm. So like, now when I think about it, like I'm not like too enthusiastic about it. Mm. But like thinking back to watching it at the time, I remember thinking that Michael Keaton was fucking great in it. He is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still is. So yeah, I'd be interested to watch that again to see yeah. how it compares. And I think that Jake Gyllenhaal does a decent job. I thought he was being really the villain good. in it. Yeah, really like, good. like I mean, he is good and it's a good movie. Yeah, but like, the, like the reveal, Mysteri- that whole scene is great. Mysterio as a character, I just don't think is that that entertaining. I thought I, I thought they did really well to not only link him but several of the characters back as far back as Iron Man one, and I was like, yeah, this is great. Yeah, that, all that, that stuff like that. That reveal scene was good. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. like that film's only been out for a couple of weeks, so. Oh, but I mean, uh, come on, you know what I mean? Yeah, like let's let's not waste. I won't waste it, but uh, you know. I I yeah, I was about to just say something that would completely waste it. I it was entertaining. It was good. It was enjoyable. I thought that, like bits of it were maybe more mundane and predictable than I would have liked. It was very like I think me and Neil were talking about how it was very comic booky. And there are there are things in it where you're like, like again, there's no way they would give a teenager those glasses. <laughs> so many. I I, I I think the first half of that film is good. It's enjoyable, but it's kind of plodding. Mm. It's kind of it's quite kind of run of the mill. Kind of, it's kind of going for that kind of teen teen movie kind of vibe, which is fine. That's all right. It's Spider Man still a teenager in this in this universe. Mm. It's only once you get the turn. Mm. Halfway through, that it kind of picks up. It I, I very good. So many kind of parts in it where it just seems so flippant about his identity. Like, uh, even like the, the bits near the start where he's at the charity function for mm-hmm. his aunt, and he's just like, it really wouldn't take much for people just to, to yeah. know who you are. He's, but, like, he's got his hood off. But then that does build up. Yeah, like by, to... the, end, by the end of the film, it's like, I get why you've done it now because mm-hmm. you would have known making this that, mm-hmm. you know. By every film, it's not going to be a fucking issue. Yeah. And you get that post-credit um, scene. Where yeah. You're like, great. This was already great. You've made it even it, better. It was good. I, I don't think it was particularly amazing. I really enjoyed it. I think, like, 
all the stuff with just how much of an impact Tony Stark apparently had in this world mm-hmm. didn't really land with me because like this isn't set like immediately after a uh, Endgame. It's like set a fair bit after. It's like eighteen months or something. I think they say and, like for there just to be like gigantic graffiti like uh, of Tony Stark in like every foreign country to go to what? and he's on like the banners at the airport and stuff like 18 months okay, after think, that think, he, think, going, what he think of when Princess Diana died right the folk were going on about that for ages folk still go on about it in Britain yeah but Tony Stark was a worldwide entity yeah not only that man like what he did he, he saved the world yeah. On many occasions. Yeah. Like, how many people are actually going to properly know that as well? Like, how much of that would have been covered what, up and stuff? What are you like, talking about? The, yeah, the government see, don't just them, tell everybody see, everything that happened. You, you see, you see them Avenger. talking in the news all the time in yeah. these films. It's like, yeah, how many times does he he talk to the news or gets himself into something involving that? Avengers, when the, the Battle of New York, Age of Ultron, you know, yeah, it's, okay, it's okay, like, yeah. come on. I just, for me, it just felt like a bit like. They like obviously they obviously wanted to hammer home the fact that he was important to Peter and they're setting Peter up to be the next Iron Man. Which again, and I just, loved it, all that. It just that felt bits. like Tony was just shoehorned in in places that didn't really work for me. I thought okay, it, okay. Right, I yeah. thought it was very relevant given the world that this is set in. That there was that one sequence as well where he's on the plane, uh, where like it gave that really good kind of vibe of him being Tony's successor mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. they then ruined by having Happy highlight it it's like I didn't need that yeah, I did okay. not need uh-huh. that it's like that That was the filmmakers speaking down to the audience they didn't think we were intelligent enough to fucking understand the, the uh, sort of I didn't mind it you know what going to cinema is like some people probably yeah. need that um, Toy Story 4 your thoughts. Or Toy Story 4, am I right? Am I right? I, I enjoyed it we, better we than have, you, like, but it just is by the way, much... like, We have not spoken about this at all, but I agree with you completely. The first half of that film is fucking dull. Woody is a prick. It's yeah. really hard. Do you know what I've been saying? that Everybody and everybody goes, no, mate, no, it's, Woody's all right. He's a no, fucking he's narcissistic it, asshole in that fucking first half of that film. Mm-hmm. Makes it really difficult to watch because like, I didn't give a fuck about him. I just kind of yeah. wish he would just fade into obscurity, which is what he deserved. Yeah. Like, the way he was just acting like he was the fucking big man who's like that, uh, chewing the fat sketch of Big Jock's wallet. Mm-hmm. That's all he was for the first half of that movie. And then the second half of it, like, was just trite. It was just... Yeah, it was rubbish. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I kind of... Kind of started enjoying it towards the end, but, like, not to the calibre of any of the other Toy Story movies or no. even other Pixar stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I would rank this as one of the worst Pixar movies, like, with maybe... Like Brave, the Good Dinosaur, and Cars two and three below it, and that's it. Like it's down there at the fucking bottom. I I mean I, I mean Neil spoke about it. I disagree with the thoughts on Woody at the start of the film, but it is very much Toy Story, the greatest hits. There's He's not a there's fucking there, dick there's at the not, start of it. I I don't look at it like that. I know like you and Neil, I can it's totally a, total self serving way. I, yeah. I I don't look at it like that. Just shoehorns himself into fucking Bonnie's life at every opportunity when I she mean, does not care about him. I'm like man, he's for me. Like I didn't look at it as him being narcissistic. It's him trying to kind of find his purpose in the world. Woody, Woody is toxic masculinity. That's that's Woody is. Woody is toxic. I never I never seen it as that. Forcing himself upon that young girl. Wood, just, wood privilege. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't see it that, but uh, yeah, he's a dick in it. He really is. I, I, I you know, like all the stuff like with the the forky. It's like 
a good 10 minutes of it just trying to get in the trash and it's like for fuck's mm. sake I get it just move the fuck on man like it's just don't get me wrong it is Toy Story the greatest hits there's a lot like me and Neil both agreed there's this with Toy Story 1, 2 and then there's a bit of 3 and there's a bit of that and it is that's the problem is it's completely unnecessary it, it, it didn't need to be made we didn't need that book ending that we got we got it in Toy Story 3 it was perfect the way it ended um, but yeah they need to fucking stop doing this it's like you need to Pixar needs to know when to quit when it, when it comes to certain things like that uh, don't get me wrong some sequels are good some sequels are not so good uh, Toy Story 4 is a completely yeah, unnecessary film so like there was some okay bits in it like all the stuff with Buzz not understanding the concept of listening to his heart and he just keeps pressing the button yeah. and it happens to tell him exactly what he needs to do it was like kind of entertaining for the first couple of times but, like, the, the two stuffed toys were good they keep, they keep nah, and were funny like, yeah. Nah, I didn't like them. Um, yeah but it was unnecessary I still I still really enjoyed it though it was very heartwarming I was bored for so much of yeah. it um, I went and, well, I think you watched it as well, Neil. Uh, Annabelle Comes Home. Yeah, I watched that this afternoon. Uh, it's the best of the three Annabelle films, but it's still what a high bar. trash. I the, did, you know, I have thoughts about this film. Okay. None of them are particularly very good. No, the, again, it's... It, it's it, it's a weird, it's a weird film, I think. See, because it starts... With the the, the Warrens, the Warrens. Yeah. And you get a good chunk of the Warrens being in it because the film is set in their house. Yeah, it's all um, yeah. It makes it feel like this is a this is an actual conjuring film. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's like it's almost like see when like see when you cast off reboot films uh-huh. and you've got the old cast there. And they kind of hand off to this is your new cast and be going forward, whatever, and you'll right. maybe appear every so often type yeah, thing. Yeah, it has that feel like this is them moving on to a different, uh, like they're moving the the franchise down a different road. Even though we know we're getting a third Conjuring yeah. movie, which is so it, strange. That makes it feel weird. But then everything that happens in it is so well. Apart from there's two, there's two sequences I actually really liked in it. Mm. Uh, but everything that happens is so ridiculous. It's so cookie cutter by the numbers. This is the most basic way we can get from point A to point B to point C. Yeah. And it's it's so ridiculous in so many ways. No. Like, okay, so the kind of plot is that the Warrens get the doll Anna from this people these people has been haunting. Mm-hmm. Turns out the doll is a conduit for spirits. All the spirits are attracted to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it a really evil demon. Mm-hmm. Uh so the the Warren's daughter is uh, is getting uh, babysat, babysitter's pal who just wants to come in so she can see all the spooky stuff. Uh, comes in, lets the doll out because she's a fucking clown shoe. Clown shoe. Um, ghosts happen, and it's hilarious how it happens because it's like Anna has building herself like a fucking satanic Avengers. Like they've got Anna, who's a weird doll one. You've got uh, the bride, who's like the weird kind of scary ghost one. You've got fucking werewolf. Why is there a fucking werewolf in a, a fucking conjuring verse movie? Well, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it is like the whole thing being like. 
the the Warrens kid doesn't really fit in at school because she lives with spooky parents who are into ghosts etc and then like you said she's been babysat and her stupid pal comes over and is like looking at all the like case files and they happen to look at one where it's about this guy who's like a, a, a if out there's one about a wolf there's one about a, oh, a, the ferryman the ferryman and then you're one, like yeah. yeah it's like fucking so we're getting more monsters and it's like that, that, and because they've looked at those cases, those are the characters that kind of play into it. Yeah. Um, I think again, it's, I didn't care about MD. Like I don't care. The, yeah, only, the, the Warrens' daughter is maybe the closest thing you care because she's the kind of innocent one and all. Yeah, this. you're supposed. She's the one you're supposed to care about because she's a young child. She's yeah. the one dying. Uh, no, no, no. That's no, the thing. That is a that is a, MD dies. Nothing happens. Yeah, like there's. Absolutely, fuck all happens to anybody. Parlor tricks. Like all, it's like right. Okay, there's two sequences, and I'm going to spoil them because the film's uh, fucking yeah, yeah, rubbish. Yeah, it's trash. Uh, when you first get the ferryman, the ferryman seems to be a collective of ghosts mm-hmm. uh, who um, have these uh, silver dollars over their eyes that have all been scratched out because they're going because the ferryman's the guy that takes her soul away. Mm. Uh, so there's this bit where she's the voice recording about them is playing out of nowhere. She goes, turns it off, and behind her you can see this guy with the silver dollars, and it's kind of like, all right, we have a creepy looking guy. Yeah. And then she kind of backs out, and you've got the it kind of builds a bit of tension, which you know is going to come to a jump scare at some point. Um, where she's going through the halls with, with a, a torch, yeah. and nothing happens. She's saying. A coin appears. Yeah. Another coin appears. So she follows the trail of coins uh, and eventually gets into the kitchen. And there's these two kind of glowing, it looks like eyes. So you think, oh, fuck, this is a big bad ferryman. Mm-hmm. And she waves her torch at it. And these two silver dollars fall out of the sky. Uh, then her torch fails. I mean, that, like, to me, that actually sounds like a good scene. That, no, that I, I've actually thought this out of everything that'd come before it. This was the first scene where I was like, okay, this is good. They've kind of thought about right. this. Actually, yeah, now I just remember how you started this off by saying there's two sequences that are good and you're going to ruin them. That's a yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but see. Um, so our torch goes off. Uh, there's more coins. Oh, the big bad ferryman's here, grabs her, pulls her away. Uh, you see all these, you see these other wee ferryman people in the background. And no, she somehow just... gets her matted torch to work. Yeah. That's it. Nothing happens to her. So much of that is what happens. It's like these ghosts fuck with them, but do nothing. They don't I mean, kill yeah, them. The they don't. One and two is kind of the same as the old No, but the conjuring one and two the, the, builds the, the tension. There at least seems to be an element of danger to these people in those ones. Aye, the the ghosts seem a lot more malevolent. In yeah, those ones. There, there, there's like James Wan as a filmmaker is able to build tension and able to build like this atmosphere mm. in the in Annabelle, which they do try because it is in Annabelle three. It is just a haunted house film. But yeah. at no point do you really care about him, apart from the Warrens' daughter. Um, no, no one ever seems like they're actually in danger. Yeah, and when they all... are, nothing happens to them. Yeah. They get pulled in a cupboard and then they like get let go. Yeah. Or but someone... that, well, that was a kind of a hilarious. The other scene that I actually liked happens right after the one that I was talk- that I was talking about. Uh, she runs upstairs and the wee girl's been in the bed and Annabelle the doll has has been in the bed. And she starts getting pulled into the bed and stuff, and this is kind of weird, kind of fight, kind of throw a doll away type thing. Yeah. And then the shot is through a kaleidoscope type thing. It's out like a color. It's like colored panels going through a light, so mm. it's a different light. And every time it turns around, you see a shadow of Annabelle, 
then another shadow, then it's the shadow of the actual demon that's in Annabelle. And then it cuts to the real lassie's face, kind of looking at this. She's oh, I'm terrified. And this big demon turn tops and goes, ha! And I shot myself laughing. I thought it was the most hilarious thing mm. I'd ever seen. Because yeah. it's the most rubbish fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer looking fucking Is it demon. the same demon that was in that other anime? No, movie? The, no. Like, just the black thing that walked up the stairs? No, no, it's for that. It's just, it's just stupid. But yeah, it's completely, it's just this... And, then, and then nothing happens. And then, what? At the end, when they get Annabelle put away and stuff, and everything's all back to normal, the Warrens come back from wherever they've fucking been, and the uh, the babysitters are like, okay, we tell them everything. And they seem cool with everything that has happened. Yeah. But like, it's like, alright, okay, you let all these demons out, oh, fucking daughters in the house. Oh, well. Next thing they turn up for their birthday parties and everybody's alright and touchy feely. Oh, that's a brilliant game. Yeah, because this whole thing is like the, the Warrens' daughter is not very popular and she had a hard time at school. And then come the end of the film, it's like, oh, it's her birthday party and actually, you know, she's not so, you know, she's kind yeah, of a friend. It goes for this nice. really weird wholesome ending which feels which feels really out of place yeah and there's no there's no real fucking that's what i'm saying it's like nobody dies it just feels like a cheap scare after cheap scare and you're like nothing happens like it it feels like a total non-canon kind of just random episodes of show it feels kind of scooby-doo-esque i i would go Uh, in a lot of ways yeah but that was again it's i having watched all the annabelle films I think this is the one I was the most entertained at, but that doesn't mean it was good. It was still garbage. Um, it's not as bad as the Nun, though. That's still the worst. Yeah, the, the Nun still worse. Uh, this was at least kind of all right. Okay, there's a couple of bits I thought. I was it was trying yeah. a bit hard, a wee bit harder. Yeah. Uh, you went and watched the Current War, which is well, the Lion King's out, but nobody's watched that. Right. Okay, I watched the original Lion King though. Right. Um, and. The reason I didn't go and watch, well, the main reason I didn't go watch The Lion King was because of my butt. But uh, <laughs> the reason I didn't go to The Lion King today to make up for it was because having watched the original the other day, that film is not as good as I remembered it to be. Okay. It's, um, it's not as impressive as it used to be, certainly in terms of its storytelling as well. Like it's very. I mean, is it at this point over twenty years old or right? Oh yeah, well yeah, I buy it. Oh, yeah. that, it's, it's ninety four. Ninety two. Sorry. Fucking really? hell. Because yeah, wow. uh, Little Mermaid is eighty nine. Rescuers down under ninety. Was Beauty and the Beast ninety one? Ninety one. Okay, I thought I thought it was like ninety four odds, but okay. Yeah, so it's 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 old. Yeah, but uh, so is Beauty and the Beast, and that's still a fantastic film. It's I just there's something something about um, it's just something about it that didn't really sit very well with me this time. Okay. Like uh, the passage of times really badly dealt with. Um, there's like scars are really good. He's a really good villain. Mm. He's, he's got a lot of points which are all right. Like um, if you think about it, the whole thing about Mufasa and the pride and all that is it's a monarchy so it's keeping everybody in line and everything works 
Scar's just about opening up the markets to everybody. Let's get everybody a shot. He's, a, he's a total. But then he wrecks Pride Rock and all that. Like exactly. every, every gets M- eight. Mufasa's, yeah, like Mufasa's whole thing is sustainability. The circle of life. Whereas like Scar's just like eat what let's you want. just exploit the shit out of this and right. fucking run the place out of the ground. Which, which is what if he does. anything in twenty nineteen is more relevant because you know we've just got Boris Johnson elected as PM in Britain and Trump's in fucking charge in America. We're living the Lion King right now, which is maybe why you didn't enjoy it as much, Neil. My God. Well, right, so the current war. Couple of, years, <laughs> couple of years' time, we're going to be fucking picking through their bones as the hyenas comb the streets. That's what we're yeah. in for. So, so yeah, I, along, along with my butt, I didn't want... I kind of found that I didn't really enjoy the cartoon as much anymore. Mm. So I... I didn't really want to go and find out how an 88-minute cartoon movie suddenly becomes two hours when it's kind of short for short. Okay. So, okay. I had no interest in that. But The Current War, on the other hand, mm-hmm. I saw this morning. Uh, My thoughts in the trailer were, I like everyone in it, but should this be in the cinema? Well, see the trailer you watched... Well, the trailer that I last saw for it was a weird trailer where it's like it's quite long, it's almost like four minutes, mm. and a lot of it is Edison versus um, Shannon. Shannon, um, I'm trying to remember, what and then it's Tom was. Holland's there, and then all of a sudden then, Tesla gets kind yeah, of shooting at the end. Yeah, that's what it, it was like. This is this big battle between these, it's almost like a trailer for a superhero movie. Is this is this trying to be like a dramatised version of actual history, or is it like fiction? Is it quite clearly fiction? Right, okay. Um, I think they're going for a highly stylized, uh, not quite true, but based on true events, right. sort of thing. Uh, a dramatised version dramatized, of events. Yeah, a dramatised version of events. Yeah. Um, because it's it's quite fast, it's quite loose. How long is it? It's about an hour forty. Okay. It's fast. It's loose. It feels like a film that was made in like two thousand and one. Just it, for it, the, the it subject does matter, like, a... like I for some reason kept thinking of the Prestige. Oh uh, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I can see where you would get that, but it feels like a film that was made in that era or before, because mm. uh, like the camera never stops moving. Mm. It's all. It's all. Well, they, I can't remember who directed it. I was the that was over there. Um, he loves a steady cam tracking shot. There's so many of them in like the first five minutes. If I can, it starts off. It feels like this is going to be some kind of kind of big battle, kind of superhero movie. Mm. And then, like, I mean. Is everyone good in it? Is Cumberbatch, well, Shannon, Cumberbatch Spider-Man? Is, Cumberbatch is decent in it. Um, he looks weirdly like Dennis Quaid right. in, a lot, in a lot of scenes. Right. I can see that. Um, he's decent enough. I get the feel like they kind of portray him a bit, like a bit of an arsehole, old Edison, which I, I believe he was. Yeah. How How is uh, Tom Holland outside of just being Spider-Man? It's fine. Tom Holland's fine. I've got nothing against him. Is he Edison's like... Not, he's he's his secretary. Right. I was going to say lackey, but that's a bit oh, shy. Um, kind of assistant, kind of secretary. Mm-hmm. He's decent enough. He's kind of the... Um, he's Edison's foil. He's like the, the conscience to, to Edison's mm. progress. Is Shannon just a, Sh- a bad bastard? No, like Shannon's actually... He's probably the good guy. 
All right, Tesla looks like a moody bastard. Tesla's Tesla. Like, he's no David Bowie, but uh, yeah, right. big big beasts. All right. Okay. Actually, like, everybody everybody gets their due. Everybody's pretty decent in their role. It's just it's, if you're looking for a film which is here's stone cold historical fact told yeah, told in a, a way where you can follow the timeline of events really easily. It's uh, all kind of set there for you. Mm. This isn't the film that you're going to get. This film's. It's like. It's like the Jerry Bruckheimer of historical dramas. Man, I kind of want to see that more now. It, it's, it's, it's enjoyable because it just it rattles along and the story's still quite. The story's still interesting. Who did uh, this? I can't remember. I've not done the film on Told me you can I'll check, check on that. But yes. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was working out for us. So. so um there wasn't much I mean that was that in the Lion King, that was it. Yeah, like, everything most stuff happened. Horrible watched. histories, I was not watching that. Nah, I had no interest in that. However I I thought about going back to the cinema a couple of times, but just honestly nothing that's out just now has any interest yeah. in me whatsoever. Man. Well that's gonna change this week. Is it? <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw's out this week. Alright, okay. <laughs> I can't even wait, man. When, what, is that Thursday? Uh, I think it's Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday or Thursday. Are you <laughs> off on Wednesday? I am. We shall talk at the end of this podcast. Okay. Um, yes, the current war was directed by Alfonso Gomez Rejon. Oh, yeah. Who also did... Oh man, me and Earl the Dying Girl. That's a fucking brilliant movie. That is a good movie. Yeah. State, well, wait, no, he's assistant director of that. It's still has, right? Uh, yeah, this looks like it's. Let me see. In terms, of, he's done a lot of like assistant director and stuff. So has he done a lot of music videos? It's got a very music video vibe. Uh oh, geez. He he directed some eps of Glee. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can. I can see that being the thing. He okay. He directed to a American Horror Story. Uh, yeah, I can see that. The right. town that dreaded sundown. Did you see that, Neil? Yes, that was quite good. Right. Yeah. Well, there you go. So he's done oh, that. Okay. Um. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's a solid effort. Me and Earl the Dying Girl was a fucking really good film. I remember that being really underrated. Like not a lot of folk were talking about mm. that that year. That was great. That film. I just like I don't remember much of it. I remember enjoying it and thinking it was like one. Like, it's like a quirky comedy, right? It's not like a out and out. No, 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 no. It wasn't a laugh a minute thing. It was a very kind of like you said, kind of quirky, kind of indie kind of thing. But it was a really good movie. But yeah, so we've got Hobbs and Shaw uh, this week. I don't know what else is out. Uh, probably nothing. Nothing's going to yeah, nothing's gonna go against that. Oh, old boys getting a... A 4K. I think it's 4K 20th anniversary. Yeah, that's on... Not 20th, but... That's on Monday, isn't it? It's August 3rd. I take it August this is, 5th, sorry. This is obviously the good old boy. It's movie. a good old boy, yeah. Yeah, not Brolin. <laughs> no offence, Brolin. Just have to absolutely make sure there. I know you said... Imagine that. 20th yeah. anniversary. Spike Lee's old boy's got a 4K restoration. You're like... Still never, still never watched that. Oh, don't. You don't need to. Good yeah, lord. Shite. Um, but yeah, so that's happening, and then Apocalypse Now is August the thirteenth, I believe. 13th, yeah. yeah, so I like this that a uh, cinema have kind of got back into showing old classics. Well, I think we've, we've reached a point where a lot of where a lot of stuff are get is it's now twenty thirty years for a lot of yeah. stuff. Like it was, I was like, "Fuck the Matrix is twenty years old." Um, I was like, like al- "Aliens on it's like it's fortieth." That's it. That is. Fucking insane. No, no, ho- ho- no, no. Aliens is no. eighty six. Yeah, 
Alien. Alien. Oh, Alien. Alien. Oh, yeah, it's like 40 odd. Yeah. That is because it was sitting in. Yes. Uh, this, is that a 4K it's getting for that? Yeah, it'll be a 4K. So, yeah, there's a, I think someone had mentioned it to me that Big Trouble in Little China is getting a, a, not a re release, but it's going to be on the GFT soon enough. And I'm like, shit hot, man. Uh, Indiana Jones, uh, all the whole the, the Indiana Jones trilogy. Uh, yeah, I like that they made a point of saying trilogy, uh, which I liked as well. That like Monday, I think uh, it only is. A trilogy, though. That's correct. It is only a trilogy, and it'll forever only be a trilogy. Um, all three of them are getting shown on Monday. You can buy an all day ticket and go watch Raiders, Temple of Doom, and Last Crusade. It's a bank or a school holiday, no matter what. It's yeah. It's, a, it's a, I I I was interested in that event, um, but it's I, I'll be working. <laughs> I might be able to make Last Crusade. But what time does yeah. that start? Oh, I'm not too sure. Check the GFT's website. I think it's like... Oh, it's a GFT. Yeah. Man, I'm not paying for movies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You'd be surprised how many times we have that conversation. Yeah. Again, it's like... Oh, when First Blood was on on Friday. Like, yeah. I thought, oh, I can totally go watch First How Blood. How much does it get? Oh, I'm not Fuck off. I'm just going to buy the fucking... Like, I'm already on the verge of like, getting rid of my Cineworld card because I don't feel like I get enough use out of that as it is. Mm. It's like 1840 or something like that. Do you know, to be fair, probably could. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um... But yeah, that'll do us for this week. I think I think we're probably in the three hour mark. It's a long show. Uh, but yeah, you can get us at Raptors Podcast on Twitter. Uh, Paco, you can get him at Paco RUK Super Woke <laughs> Twenty Nineteen. <laughs> and uh, the jokes are back, player. Yeah, I think uh, you're playing my new username is Born Again <laughs> at Ragamuffin.co.uk. <laughs> Uh, Jesus Neil, Audi. Yeah. Oh God, brilliant! I want that picture. <laughs> uh, Neil's at Scorchy Away. I'd just uh, like to thank God for all things that I thought he had. Through him, all things are possible. Super. I'd also like to thank God for. It's not really existing. It's, <laughs> it's funny to see it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you can get us on uh, SoundCloud uh, and um, iTunes. Well, can you? Do can I, 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 iTunes, iTunes still yeah. a thing? I think so. Yeah. It's still okay. a thing, yeah. yeah. So you can get us all over the shot. I mean, not that we get any tweets anyway, but. Thanks to the six folk in Mongolia and other places that are being listened to us. Mongolia, United States, and uh, the UK. Right on, man. Three. Right on. Seems to be losing the Canadian market. Ah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. What have we done, Canada? Well, we've, we've, not, we've, not, we've not had a show in a wee while, so maybe this will perk it up. Who knows? Well, maybe we need to start talking about poutine more. Poutine. I do like poutine. poutine. It's nice. Uh, yeah. Poutine, do you want to take us out, Paco? Mine's mine's never the good. I never have a good send off. So on you go. I I I think we could just you know end it by saying thanks for listening if you made it this far. I doubt anyone actually did though. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week. Goodbye.